Welcome to Star Rocket Radio, an Infinity Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Herman Lowe, and with me is my podcasting partner, Billy Delicious. Billy, how are you this week? I am fantastic, my friend. I am on vacation, so I'm getting energized by uh, not having to work and pull my hair out. Well, lovely. <laughs> we all need that uh, energy in our lives, Mr. B, because we got to channel mm-hmm. it. Channel it into podcasting and into comics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, into supporting the habit, as we like to call it, right? We're junkies <laughs> at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, we're back with our second episode of Star Rocket Radio, where we're going to be getting deeper into the characters. In the first episode, listeners, you might remember, we discussed the genesis of Infinity Inc., as conceived by Roy Thomas and his wife, Dan Thomas, and, of course, um, the uh, team, the art team of Jerry Ordway and Mike Macklin. But now we're going to be discussing our favorite characters. Now, on Twitter, I teased on Star Rocket Radio, the Twitter account we have, that uh, we might do that in episode one, but we just couldn't, you know, do it because we ran out of time. So we moved this to episode mm-hmm. two, right, Billy? And yeah. uh, we also put a bit of a poll, uh, just a really a question on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago about which character, which infinitor is your favorite and we had a, a huge number of people responding mm. to that. So, of course, mm-hmm. we're going to mention that uh, during the course of the episode. But first, we're going to get into some Infinity Inc. characters. Mm-hmm. All right. So, before we start, I must mention that uh, where we left off uh, in the last episode two weeks ago was where the Infinitors had crashed the meeting of the JSA, demanded <laughs> membership from their parents and from their mentors and godparents. And they had been summarily rejected, almost kicked out of the building, right, Billy? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's one of the great, mm-hmm. uh, you know, scenes from comics in the 80s for me. One that I always remember is them just showing up and then getting, you know, the boot, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and then they left in a huff. But that's where we're going to pick it up today with uh, issue two and issue mm-hmm. three. First off, though, let's get into the characters of Infinity Inc. We briefly mentioned them as they were uh, conceived by Roy and Dan Thomas on that ferry trip to Liberty Island Mm -hmm. that we mentioned in episode one in the early 80s. But now we're going to talk more about these characters. So let's start off, Mr. B, with uh, um, a character that I think... I don't know why I I, I compiled this list in this order 
obviously. But um, you know, I think uh, uh, I'll start off. It's not because this character is my favorite or anything. Uh, we're going to mention our favorites <laughs> later, right? But we'll mm-hmm. start off with yep. Fury. All right. So Fury, of course, she showed up in Wonder Woman three hundred, and that's where she was created by Roy Thomas and uh, his wife Danette, or Dan Thomas, as she was known then. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, mm-hmm. the daughter of Earth Two Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, and her husband Steve Trevor, and she's named after her grandmother Hippolyta. So mm-hmm. uh, they call her Leta for short, and uh, she's obviously a fantastic character visually and. Mm-hmm. Personality-wise, so Mr. B, I'm gonna f- uh, first ask your impression of the character of Fury. What do you think about her? Well, the visual's great. You know, uh, she doesn't really remind you of having anything to do with Wonder Woman. So I do kind of like that, which might sound strange, but I do like that these uh, group of you know, quote unquote, kids, kind of you know, as we can refer to them, they some of them have a likeness to their you know. Uh, father mother you know mentors and some of them do not and i like it that some of them do not and they're not all just you know kind of like copies of their parents so i love the visual with her and i love her power set too as well because again there are some differences between what she has going on and uh, wonder woman yeah she's uh, obviously an amazonian human hybrid so she's got superhuman strength but not quite on par with her mom right billy um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's hinted that she's not as strong as that, but she has Amazon training yeah. as well. So she's mm-hmm. got uh, crazy skills when it comes to hand-to-hand fighting. Um, and mm-hmm. then a version of, obviously, the Amazonian martial arts uh, in her training there. And then she's got a super leaping ability. I mean, even in issue two, she mentions that she could leap very high, but not as high as Jade's energy bubble would carry them. You know, so she's got that power to sort of uh, her own mobility to travel around by leaping from building to building if she wanted to, sort of like a Golden Age Superman style or Wonder Woman even yeah. from the Golden Age did that frequently. And then, of course, she's got superhuman durability as well. She's very tough, not quite bulletproof, but uh, able to survive gunshots for certain, but, you know, with flesh wounds as a result. And then superhuman stamina and reflexes, you know, so mm-hmm. one of the more formidable members of infinity inc i would say and then Mm -hmm. of course i don't know if you know her future history but she was one of the characters most affected by crisis and especially since she's near and dear to my heart uh the crisis on infinite earth's miniseries had they had to obviously completely retcon her origin and so forth and uh, instead of being the daughter of earth to wonder woman after the crisis she had to become the daughter of one of the members of the young all stars from the from the 1940s um, and that was the original fury well she wasn't mm-hmm. the original fury the original fury is obviously this fury later hall from <laughs> earth too but her yeah. mom uh, was then supposed to have been uh, fury helena cosmatis uh, the greek mm-hmm. uh, girl who joined up with the young all-stars and uh, she looks yeah. the part differently she looks more like for instance the character of, of fury from the young all-stars than she does her mom uh, her original mom earth to wonder woman so it's right. it's ironic, <laughs> but then of course later on I'm uh, no, and we're spoiling things here for folks who haven't read further into the series. Not too much, but eventually she became Leta Hall, so she married Lect- Hector Hall, and um, mm-hmm. you know then stuff started happening that I was really sad about as a fan of the Infinity Inc. characters. You know um, Neil Gaiman got a hold of the characters, but that was after Hector passed away during you know. 
uh, and uh, then he, well, he briefly became uh, the Sandman, actually. Um, wow. Yeah, but we'll talk about that when we get to his, uh, when we discuss him as a character. But later then, she was uh, a character that Neil Gaiman used in his Sandman arc, specifically the arc called The Kindly Ones. I think Sandman had already, you know, uh, gone to Vertigo uh, then. So uh, she, her baby was born in dreams, and the baby that she had with Hector Hall. And because of that, you know, Dream, the the member of the Endless, the Sandman, claimed the baby as his own. And then she went on a revenge-driven spree, just maiming down characters in the Dreaming, fueled by the actual Three Furies from Greek mythology. Jeez. Yeah, so, uh, you know, wow. she became this, this revenge-driven mom. And... Um, that sounds like a very empowering role. It wasn't really. I, I didn't think it worked for, for me. But, of course, Neil Gaiman <laughs> is a master, and that was a great arc. It's yeah. just, it was the character of Leto Hall that I so loved from the 80s that were suddenly... She, she was put through a horror show, really. Yeah. But, you know, it happened, and um, unfortunately... Uh, and eventually, they had a happy ending. I'm not going to spoil that. We'll, we'll do that probably at the very end when we, we wrap up <laughs> you know, Star Rocket Radio eventually, or we wrap up the coverage <laughs> of Infinity Inc. But she did have a happy ending with her husband, uh, Hector. So one of the great mm -hmm. Infinity Inc. characters, and like you say, very visually distinct, you know, unique. She's not like her mom at all. She's a designer, a clothes designer as well. So she designed her costume and Nuclon's costume, in fact. So mm. I'm sure you'd admit that, you know, you'll agree she has a lot of talents on that front. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, to quote Shag, she's hot. So, you know, there, there's she's, that too. <laughs> she's very fine. Definitely. <laughs> right. So that's uh, Fury. And um, of course, they grew up together, you know, uh, Hector Hall and Fury being, you know, children of the JSA, along with Nuclon, you know, his godfather being the Atom. So they knew each other from, from old. Uh, we mentioned that in episode one. So, you know, there's this history of them, you know, uh, uh, being aware of each other but then meeting up again after they lost touch during high school and then once they went to to uni college college yeah they, that's where mm -hmm. they they finally saw each other again and then decided to mm -hmm. to form this team and um yeah so it's a great uh, character but then we head off into uh, our second character that i want to talk about billy and that is the character of jade so mm -hmm. jenny lynn hayden jade one of the more popular characters, I would say, in Infinity Inc. She's directly related to the Earth 2 Green Lantern, the Golden Age Alan Scott. And she has mm -hmm. a power pulse, the star heart on the palm of her hand, which allows her to simulate Green Lantern's magical green light. Uh, and it is very much magic-based in Earth 2, uh, although later, of course, it would be more scientific, you know, after Crisis and so forth. Uh, there would be a scientific explanation, but she essentially is a Green Lantern. She has all the powers of a Green Lantern, except she does not need to recharge her star heart in order to gain power. She does, however, have to periodically rest after prolonged use of her uh, emerald powers. So, mm -hmm. Billy, what do you think about the character of Jade? Yeah, I like that uh, character quite a bit. She has a very level head here so far when, you know, they kind of... Uh, when things started to go off the rails a little bit there in the first issue, she was kind of like, all right, hey, let's calm down here and, you know, talk about things before we uh, fight and go crazy. I mean, she's not afraid to fight, though, because uh, somebody ticks her off. 
she's got no problem uh, showing her uh, powers off. So I do like that about her. She's strong, but she's also smart, like a strong character, but also smart. Yeah, and like we say, Jerry Ordway designed her to look a little shorter than She-Hulk because he thought there would be a visual overlap there between Marvel's character She-Hulk and and Jade. And then she's also got short hair, whereas She-Hulk's got this big bushy hairdo that she sports all the time. And so, you know, I, I like her visuals. It's it's very good. And, um, you know, of course she has this, uh, in the at least in the 80s, she had this revealing... Um, opening, you know, where her, her cleavage is supposed to be, which I never noticed as a kid, innocent little boy that I was until, you know, it was pointed out to me. I think it was on one of the episodes of Who's Who, maybe obviously by Shag or Rob, that that is actually, you know, her skin, a little boob window. Anyway, her costume's great. That's my point. Uh, you know, it's got mm-hmm. the white and, and, and uh, dark green effect and then obviously it goes well with her skin and hair. But um, I'm hesitant to get too much into her origin, right, Billy? Because um, whereas Fury's origin is easily explainable, you know, she just grew up as the daughter of Earth to Wonder Woman and went for frequent visits to Paradise Island where she received training. Uh, Jade is a little bit different because her origin will be told uh, in detail in issue number four, along with her brother Obsidian's. So, mm-hmm. you know, today we're only discussing issue two and three, so we'll get to that during the next episode of Star Rocket Radio. But for now, I'm going to say they are... Jade and Obsidian, obviously being twins, they're the um, children of the Golden Age Green Lantern and Rose from Rose and Thorn. You know, the, the supervillain. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose so, Carlton, yeah. Yeah, Rose Carlton. That's very interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, so her origin is still going to be explained in depth by us as the show progresses. But uh, I'm just going to say that she's an amazing character. She showed up. Uh, later on in the early aughts, you know, 2005, I think it was, or, or even earlier than that, in uh, Judd Winnick's Outsiders. And that's where I read her again. Yeah, now, of course, she was present during the 90s and so forth after, you know, the Infinity Inc. title ended uh, in the late 80s. But, um, you know, I did not read a lot of her there. Where I did see her again was obviously when she showed up uh, because she was involved with Kyle Rayner for a while, you know, the Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, and uh, when he was Ion, and then, of course, um, you know, he stopped being Ion, and then she, in fact, uh, at one point also died. She passed away. During, I think it was during the Ranthanagar War. And then uh, later on, you know, her she empowered Kyle uh, with the Star Heart. You know, she was mm. not quite com- completely dead. And then, of course, she was resurrected during Blackest Night, uh, same as Aquaman mm. and, and a host of other characters, um, you know, so when that storyline wrapped up. So I'm glad she's back. And she recently showed up with her brother and her father in uh, Infinite Frontier, you know, uh, a limited series published by DC, which I read. It's great. It's fantastic. You know, lots of Infinity mm. Inc. characters appearing in that series. Makes me hopeful for an ongoing Infinity Inc. <laughs> series featuring the original members. Well, not all of the originals, obviously, but... You know, we can only hope, right, Billy? <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> so we're both fans of Jade. And then we get to uh, North Wind, which is the third character on my list here. Uh, Norda Cantrell, from, he's a half-featherin superhero, obviously the godson of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. And uh, what do you think about North Wind, the flying Hawkman-like character of the team? Um, you know, he's okay. He's not one of my favorites, but he's not, you know, uh, awful or anything like that. It's a decent visual. Uh, his personality, you know, is kind of just a little dry for me. So, you know, 
so far, I should say. So maybe things will get a little spicy as we uh, move forward here in this series. But uh, yeah, he, he's just okay. He's just eh. Yeah, um, you know, I I like his visual, but you know, sometimes it doesn't work for me. It looks, uh, you know, I, I I like the way he looks, but when he's in motion, drawn in motion, it looks really awkward. You know, uh, the way uh, it's not because of Jerry Ordway's art or anything like that. It's just the way that his wings are attached to his arms. You know, especially like during a fight where he has to punch someone, it, it look it looks really weird. It's almost like the wings are getting in the way. You know, whereas yeah. Hawkman, you know, and Hawkgirl, the wings are attached to their back, so they can keep them sort of behind them so you, you could see their full body in motion when they're in a fight here it's more like yeah even uh, over at marvel the falcon didn't have that problem because when the falcon no. engaged in fisticuffs he his wings weren't all over the place they were basically just like spider-man's web pits you know yeah. uh, or or a look that nightwing also sported uh, if you want to bring it back to dc for a while there it's sort of like these glider underarm glider you know uh uh, you know, devices or <laughs> or just a, a part of the clothing, you know. Attachments. Or yeah, attachments. There. So uh, that looks weird. Um, but you know, I I think you know it's 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 nice of Roy, Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas to obviously put a character in there that's a half breed and also um, half black. You know, because uh, his his father Fred Cantrell, uh, he was a scientist who obviously. Uh, brought by Hawkman to visit the Featherin Society to study them, and an anth anthropologist. Uh, he fell in love with Osoro, you know, a female member, and then they, um, a female member of the Featherins, and then they had little mm -hmm. Norda. And so, yeah, his origin would also be, a, a, it, it's already been told in issue one, you know, when they had mm -hmm. that brief discussion between the four original gate crashers. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> creepy, you know, with, with this, this half breed <laughs> little kid breaking out of an egg when he was born. Yeah. <laughs> but kind cute. Of gross, but. Right. Cutie, uh, yeah, cute and creepy. <laughs> but you know, um, I and he's also got some, you know, not just the 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 powers of flight. He's, he can control birds, or much like Aquaman, <laughs> but it's not telepathically. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more, you know, vocally he can control birds with, you know, imitating their sounds. But he also has some science um, from the Feather and City, a science that humans are not privy to. And we'll see later. He employs a weapon called a globless gun. Uh, which disorients mm -hmm. enemies rather than killing them. So they're very much, I mean, they're ve uh, vegetarians first and foremost, and they're uh, <laughs> against violence. So they're pacifists. You know, that's why they have these uh, weapons that are meant only for defense. Now, we'll see that a lot from Norda. But unfortunately, that makes me think a lot about the character Dove. You know, Hawk and Dove, created by oh, Steve yeah. Ditko. The character of Dove yeah. never really worked. Unless you count the character, the, the female Dove that came in the 80s. That I really liked her, Dawn Gra um, Granger, I think it was. But the original Dove, mm. you know, um, Dawn, he did not work for me. Because, Billy, you can't have a superhero <laughs> who's always, like, wondering whether he should fight or not. But he's in the thick of things. It just doesn't work. So Norda yeah, had that a I, bit, yeah. Yeah, I just an aside with uh, Hawk and Dove. I did love their uh, first appearance on the uh, Justice League Unlimited cartoon. It was hilarious. Oh, I can't remember yeah. that, but I must have seen that. But I just oh can't. yeah, was it good? Yeah, it was an episode where yeah yeah Wonder Woman was all pissed off at mankind and wants to just beat everybody up, and then she uh, has to go recruit the two of them to go on a mission, and it's it's great. It involves uh oh, Ares, the God of War. It's it's fantastic. Good stuff. I should Good portrayal there. I should rewatch that because I've got all of that on HBO <laughs> Go, 
even though I don't own it on DVD. Uh, and, and I think Chris and Cindy Franklin, they're also doing their Justice League Unlimited show. Um, I haven't listened yes. to that in a while because I haven't been keeping up with watching the episodes. But I would suggest anybody who, who wants to get back mm-hmm. into that, that they should do that. You know, Listen to Chris oh and Cindy Franklin doing their Justice League Unlimited uh, show. And then you can watch along that mm-hmm. way. That's always fun. Yeah, I think they're on season two. Uh, they're on hiatus right now, of course, for their uh, Halloween show. But I think usually December, January, somewhere there it starts back up. But yeah, fantastic coverage there. Chris and Cindy are awesome. Yeah, just look for them on the Fire and Water Network. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, so basically that's all we have to say about Norda for now. Um, although we must mention that there's a bit of friction between him and Hector Hall. I think we also yeah. briefly talked about that during our episode one discussion. Because it seems that uh, Hector resents Norda for having Hawkman and Hawkgirl as uh, godparents when he, uh, they're supposed to be his real parents, but they don't spend a lot of time with him. They seem to have spent more time with, with little Norda. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Interesting, interesting. So, um, you know, uh, you know, later on in later appearances, he would uh, evolve or sometimes devolve into a more bird-like uh, appearance, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't like that. I, I like the original design by Ordway, and Macklin, I wanted them to keep that, but but he would, he would look more like a Hawkman-esque uh, character, but with a real hawk-like head, rather than a mask, if you know what I mean, Billy. Right. And I didn't like that look at all, so I completely lost interest in the character then. Yeah, but basically he's yeah. got uh, you know a unique physiology that allows him to to fly in cold temperatures. I mean, obviously the Featherin Society is based in in the North Pole somewhere, in the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. far north. And, um, you know, later on, he would grow talons uh, on his hands and, and feet, which I didn't like at all. You know, uh, mm. that's just, yeah. uh, that's not the character of, of Norda for me. And uh, animal empathy, we said that he can communicate with all avian life. But he also has superhuman stamina because he can fly from the continental United States all the way to the North Pole without breaking a sweat. <laughs> And Crazy. That, that's pretty uh, impressive. Although it is hinted that he can't fly quite as fast as Jade and Star Spangled Kid can travel, you know, with the help of his cosmic converter, obviously, uh, or the Star Rocket <laughs> Radio. We'll see that in, in um, uh, issue two, where or issue three, right. where he hitches a ride on one of Jade's uh, green uh, emerald fantastic cars that she conjures up, <laughs> as I like to call it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but, you know, Norda's body also has some uh, sort of regeneration power. You know, he can heal... His, especially his wings can heal uh, fairly quickly uh, after right. sustaining damage. And then finally, he has a, a power that he mentions during his f- appearances in All-Star Squadron, uh, specifically in issues 25 and 26 of All-Star Squadron, uh, a migra power, which is just the, the power to migrate like birds. He can always find his direction. You know, his sense of direction is uncanny. He can always find his way. Uh, right. He always knows exactly where he's located. Um, mm. And that's, yeah, so his micro power. That's interesting. Uh, useful in some cases, but uh, probably not in the modern day where we've got GPS and all of that. But <laughs> back then, very useful, yes. All right, For so sure. that's Norda. I think we spent a little bit too much time on him. But next up, <laughs> Billy, next up, Nuklon. Now, oh uh, Nuklon, obviously the godson of Al Pratt, or the god... Well, Alpret's technically more of his god grandfather, if there's something like that. But you know, um, 
uh, he was uh, trained also by Al Pratt. Presumably, he received all the training that Al did, um, mm-hmm. which must be substantial because that's what he relied on in the Golden Age, uh, the at the original Atom, uh, solely his training. So, you know, uh, um, Nuklon, though born a mutant because of the radiation that affected um, his mother, who was the daughter mm-hmm. of Cyclotron. And uh, because of that, he developed super strength at a fairly early age. He also started to grow at an alarming rate, making him a giant already when he was in his teenage <laughs> years. Now he's uh, standing yeah. well above seven feet in his current mm-hmm. incarnation. And uh, he will eventually develop the power to to expand his size, to increase his size, mm-hmm. and to, in fact, uh, change his molecular structure to, to, in effect, become intangible or to become, you know, uh, you know, super, well, invulnerable, uh, almost like the vision over at Marvel. He has this power to, to control density his molecules. Density control. Density yeah. control. And then he mm-hmm. also, um, you know, uh, eventually will change his name to Atom Smasher, which is a great name, but I, I don't know why. I prefer the original name of Nuclon, even though some people say that's a silly name. I like it. But Atom Smasher is a pretty hmm. good name, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're both fine. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost directly related. It is directly related to his grandfather uh, Terry Curtis Cyclotron, because yeah. a Cyclotron, after all, the device uh, is an atom smasher. It's it's otherwise known as an mm-hmm. atom smasher too. So I've always liked mm-hmm. this character Al Rothstein, um, or uh, uh, Rothstein. <laughs> I always pronounce Einstein. I shouldn't say Einstein, right? Rothstein. <laughs> I, I I like old Al. You know, he's mm-hmm. um, always, uh, he seems to be, you know, always the third wheel because, you know, uh, there there would be later on Infinity Inc. members that hook up as couples and he would always be left <laughs> in the lurch. And uh, I always felt sorry for him, but he's a great character. He's very introspective and sometimes he's, he's, he's uh, you know, he loses his temper. He's a bit of a hothead. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, there are times when you can see that he, he's aware of his flaws and he tries to work on them. So what do you think about yeah. uh, old Nuke Clan, Billy? I like him a lot. You know, he's one of those characters, like you said, that sometimes will, you know, he's a bit of a hothead and this and that, but he's always, always very well-meaning, it seems. So, you know, that's always a good thing. He's, he's, he's got a good heart, I think. Yeah, 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 I think so. I, I'm in later on, um, you know, during the, the course of his, because he would be, he would be pres- ever present in DC, even after Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, and we, we recently saw him, of course, or not recently, I should say, 20 years back already, he joined uh, the Justice Society, uh, as written by Jeff Johns and so forth, and in the 90s even. So, you know, then he sported the full blue face mask and a new costume. And a uh, very effective member of the team. He's sort of like the Colossal Boy from Over the Legion. You know, you don't want him mad at you because it, he'll just trample <laughs> you in his giant form. Plus, he's got super strength mm-hmm. to boot. So, you know, I always liked him. Uh, but uh, in, in Infinity Inc., I loved his costume. So when they eventually changed the costume... Uh, you know, I was sad about that. But then I soon started to, to gravitate towards him again. I didn't lose complete touch with him like I did with Northwind, for instance. So uh, it, just like Jade, I followed him around. But the original costume, I think, is the best. It's got, like I said, that, that red and, and black. And it's got this Kirby crackle and this cool hairstyle, which some people say is silly, but I love it. <laughs> I just find him such a visually, <laughs> you know, yeah. unique character. And, of course, costume designed again by Fury. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, great, great Mohawk, character. Mohawks are Mohawks are great. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> especially in the eighties, <laughs> late seventies, eighty, the eighties, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah, it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's awesome. 
yeah. so yeah man i loved him and uh, uh essential part of the team really he's kind of like you know every team needs a scrapper you know fantastic for us the thing you know um x-men has colossus uh, you kind of have have to have someone in a team like that sometimes not always but i like the yeah, fact that uh, they've got this juggernaut in the team and and that's al now mm-hmm. um we would see power girl of course join the key, the team in the upcoming issues we're discussing so arguably she's the strongest member uh fury the jury's out on fury and nuclon i don't know who's stronger but i i gravitate a little bit towards nuclon maybe being the stronger but um you know power girl's probably the the strongest of the bunch but it's shown that fury can hold her own against power girl albeit temporarily right billy so the three of them yeah. having extreme super strength makes infinity inc a very formidable uh, strike team if you think about it those yeah. three characters so For yeah sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've discussed Nuclon, and uh, he's still with us in current continuity. Uh, Infinity Inc., uh, you know, uh, is not with us, but hopefully, like I said, there will be a new sh- series, and then Adam Smasher will come back. Although I must mm-hmm. admit, I haven't read a lot of the new, newer JSA, you know, coverage. So I don't really know where he's at at this moment. Uh, you know, some of the listeners might be able to chime in and tell us, right, Billy? But <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's a he's a great character. That's why they kept him around so long, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, okay. So next character that I've got on the list, Billy, is Obsidian, the twin brother of mm. Jenny Lynn Hayden, also known as Todd Rice, and the son of the Golden Age Green Lantern, like we mentioned, Alan Scott. So, Billy, what do you think mm-hmm. about Obsidian? Okay, so I love this visual. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, a few different characters, but anybody that's got like a cape and is a little bit mysterious, of course, they remind me of, you know, our boy Doctor Strange over in the Marvel Universe a little bit. So, yeah, love, love this visual. And, of course, his powers, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his power set is, at the beginning at least, when he first appeared, it was very um, obscure. You didn't really know what he had going for him. It seemed that he could become intangible and then he could possess your shadow and turn your shadow against you. I mean, the shadow, when, once he becomes your shadow, or becomes a shadow, he seems to have uh, the ability to still affect matter. You know, he could, the shadow is, uh, in his shadow state, he's super strong. And he could attack his enemies, you know, through that way. And he's also seemingly invulnerable. His only weakness is obviously towards bright light, which returns him to his human form. But he seems to be able to have the ability to fly as well. Not really fly, more like gliding. So, you know, mm-hmm. when they do fly at high speeds uh, as a team, they normally employ the Star Rocket Racer uh, from the Star Spangled Kid, or they fly via Jade's, you know, um, Star Heart. And then he, we, we see him always hitching rides. He never, he can't keep up with the, the, the flyers of the team. But he seems <laughs> to have the ability yeah. to glide. And then also um, he has this Ghost Rider-esque power where he can turn your greatest fears against you or show you the darkness mm-hmm. in your own soul. I love that. What do you think, Billy, about that power? <laughs> yeah, that is that is great. And that is something that, like you said, too, about Ghost Rider, I love that. That's, that's something that kind of sets him apart, makes him a little more unique. So I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and like I say, his origin will be expanded further in um, issue four you know, of, of mm-hmm. Infinity Inc. So we'll get into him some more. But he is, um, uh, uh, he's shown to be, later on in comic books, he's shown, and, and especially now in, in the series I mentioned, DC uh, Infinite Frontier, he's shown to be uh, a gay character. You know, he he's a gay 
man and um he has he's in a relationship with with another person and in fact his father alan scott later on also turned out to be gay but you know i i always um i was always sad about that reveal right billy because it happened almost I don't know how long, but but fairly quickly after Marvel unveiled their first gay character, which was Northwind in the '90s, I think it was right, and then DC- oh North North Star. Oh, sorry, what did I say? Northwind from Infinity. Inc. Sorry, I mean North Star <laughs> from Alpha Flight. Mm-hmm. And you know, then when DC followed suit with Green Lantern from you know the the Golden Age Green Lantern, it it didn't have the same impact because it seemed as if they were trying to follow Marvel's footsteps. You know, follow. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. hold on to the coattails of Marvel, and that didn't work. So, but but I am very glad that those you know we we have characters like that in uh, the the DC universe now, and of course, uh, no, you know, Obsidian being close to his dad, at, at least in recent issues, it's shown that they they've got this relationship now. Uh, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, Obsidian is arranging or or egging his dad on to go out on dates and stuff, and you know they're discussing their their personal life. So they've got that to connect to as a as a form of connection, <laughs> and you know that's interesting for me. I don't mind that at all. I, I think that's 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 great. Well, what do you think about that, Billy? Yeah, it's always good to interject a little bit of you know people's you know characters' personal lives into their. Uh, you don't want them to just be superheroes 24-7. It would get old quick. So every once in a while, it's okay to throw a little bit of their personal life in there. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And especially that, that they you know, they would represent that part of the community and the comic book reading community in, in general. I mean, there's a there's a huge part of the comic community that are LGBTQ. So I'm glad that those characters represent them. And I, I still love reading them. In fact, I love reading them even more now because, you know, you, you feel like you're a little bit more connected to that side of the world that you don't normally see. Uh, especially how it's represented in comics, so you know that that there's that mm-hmm. about him. And then you know um, his powers that we mentioned briefly. I mean, there there's a vast number of them. They would also change as did Nuclon's powers over the over the years. You know, mm-hmm. Obsidian. But um, I think the the first thing that made me uh, like him, like you said, is the visual. You know, the the visual oh, by Jerry Ordway and Mike Macklin. Wow, what a mm. great what a great character oh. design. Yeah. So um, he's got a vast array of superpowers. I just want to run through this list here. We've briefly mentioned some, but the shadow form, you know, that we've mentioned, mm-hmm. intangibility, uh, superhuman strength, superhuman stamina, when in shadow form, flight, shadow position, size alteration. So when he's a shadow, he can, you know, he can grow. He can, uh, uh, you know, uh, hey, giant hey <laughs> there you go. Watch, watch, watch out, Ree Richards. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. You see? Ooh. Uh, what? Yeah, we should. Uh, why didn't they mention him during Mole Rats? <laughs> oh, that's because Brody was only a Marvel fan, and Stan Lee was there. Of course, that that that's the reason. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he did talk about Superman and Wonder Woman. You know, shacking up there for a while, but whatever. And then, listen, mm-hmm. this is very interesting. He can create shadow <laughs> constructs, which is a power they tacked on to him much later, right, Billy? Shadow constructs. Yeah, that's interesting. Much, yeah, much yeah. like the character Jackie Estucado from uh, the, the, the Darkness. I don't know if you ever read that uh, Top hmm. Cow series. Yeah, he could create I don't think I have. living shadows that would uh, be like, you know, uh, shadow constructs. Um, oh, that's, a, that's a great series. It's horror-related. You would love it. And then he's got this mm. interesting power called a dark side view, which gives him limited telepathic abilities when he's in contact with a victim's shadow. He could sort of uh, cause <laughs> them... Yeah, this is the, the, the Ghost Rider-esque power. He could cause them emotional agony, yeah. uh, agony, but it's through a telepathic link. 
and then gotcha. subjecting them to their innermost fears. And it doesn't work, though, on characters that are pure evil, like Solomon Grundy, who revel in their own own evil. You know, that he, he can't turn their evil back on, on themselves because they have no conscience, essentially. And the wow. ultra-humanite, also unaffected, we'll, we'll see that in later issues, you know, by this, because they are proudly evil, <laughs> you know? <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. And then he's got a psychic link with Jade, which is uh, a twin thing, I think. It's not, it might be related to their powers too, because after all, they received their powers. They're not mutants like Nuclon, but they're more mystical. Uh, but, you know, they received their powers because of, of their dad's repeated exposure to the green, the magical green light of the lantern. And that's why they, it also rubbed off on them in birth. And so that's why they have their powers. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a, a definite, you know, distinction to make between the regular green lanterns of, you know, silver and more modern ages. There's no, it's, that's all like a power ring and a battery and recharging it where the golden age uh, green lantern, it's, it's, it's magical based powers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, yeah, I like that part. I, I like that they disassociated mm-hmm. the, the, the original Green Lantern yeah. from Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and the Guardians. You make it more science-based, mm-hmm. although that would obviously now change. But not. it wouldn't change too much, though. You know, there would still be the whole, you know, uh, this link to, to the mystical realms uh, after Crisis. But, but it wouldn't be as overt as it was in the Bronze Age and, of course, in the Golden Age. But uh, Billy, interesting though, uh, you know, a character trait that Obsidian has is he's actually a schizophrenic. He's prone to schizophrenia. And, um, you know, that's inherited from his mom, uh, Rose. And, um, but he does take antipsychotic drugs to deal with the, with the situation. But we'll see him sometimes, uh, you know, uh, have a mental lapse or something where he falls back into, you know, uh, condition. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately just a part of his character. But he had a normal childhood, you know, his adoptive parents cared for him. Uh, but Jade had a great life. And, of course, we, we forgot to mention Jade wants to be an actress. She always dreamed of being an actress. So, with the, you mm-hmm. know, whereas Todd is the schizophrenic who's sort of an introvert, Jade is more the outgoing extrovert, uh, you know, wants yeah. to, sh- to show and, and and express herself through acting. So, yeah, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're contrasted. Not just their powers, light and dark, but also their personalities, which I love. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Billy, uh, again, we spent too much time on that character. Let's go over to the Silver Scarab. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so, Billy, the Silver Scarab, um, son, of course, his name is Hector Hall, son of Shira Hall and uh, Carter Hall, the Hawkman and Hawk Girl mm-hmm. of Earth 2. What do you think about the Silver Scarab? Uh, he, he's okay. Uh, nah. <laughs> I, I like the, vi- I like the visual, but you know, it's one of those like, you know, characters that writers uh, will put into uh, teams just to be like a jackass that everybody kind of hates. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying he's, so. I think I compared it to him to Tony Stark in the first episode. He's not quite Tony Stark. I mean, co- Tony Stark has a charm about him. So when he's being, you know, I'm not just talking about the Robert Downey, you know, junior Tony Stark. I, I'm talking about the, the classic yeah. Tony Stark as well. He's got this charm, this yeah, Howard yeah. Hughes kind of charm about him, even though he's actually an arrogant jackass. But uh, Hector mm-hmm. Hall, though he's a genius and he designed the suit of armor made of nth metal, or as they called it mm-hmm. in these old issues, ninth metal sometimes. I like to call it nth metal. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a genius. He designed this uh, solar-powered armor that utilizes his father's nth metal. So that mm-hmm. he's got that going for him, but then it doesn't really show in his personality. He's very uh, abrasive, I would say, and um, prone yeah. to holding grudges. Uh, very mm-hmm. arrogant, 
and I don't like that about him. He's just an asshole, and um, you know those are the kind of characters that work if they're Guy Gardner, but they don't work in a comedic sense. They just don't work for me in Infinity Inc. Unfortunately, and he's also saying, I mean, he just declared himself the de facto leader in these early issues, whereas I thought someone like Star Spangled Kid or even Brainwave mm-hmm. Junior might have been a much better leader. And in fact, Brainwave Junior does sort of uh, clash with. Hector at times, you know, uh, when they, it comes to making leadership decisions. Star Spangled Kid, though, he sometimes takes a back seat, but he's really the 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 more experienced of the bunch, you know. So, um, uh, you know, all three of them would vacillate between leading at times, and even Fury would would sometimes take up a, a leadership role there because uh, when Fury mm-hmm. gets angry at Hector, we we sometimes see that he does defer to her, <laughs> you know, for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we know who's wearing the pants in that relationship, right, Billy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Silver That's Scarab, great. not one of my favorite characters, but a very interesting power set because he's got this power armor that he developed. Uh, it gives him flight. It gives him, uh, you know, obviously energy blasts, uh, energy projection. Uh, it's solar powered. Uh, so it, it gives him a degree of invulnerability, you know, because n- uh, ninth metal is notoriously durable. And uh, yeah. yeah, and it's got a, a couple of other gadgets, too, uh, in the armor that he would uh, either develop later or that he's just, you know, refused to reveal yet. But it will come out during storylines in the future. So um, later on, he would also become Dr. Fate. You know, um, I forgot mm-hmm. to mention that when I when I focused on later. And he would become like a Sandman-esque figure. He would have, you know, all of these uh, different powers at different points in, in time during his life. And then he would die and he would become a ghost. Uh, and uh, Morpheus would, would <laughs> sort of banish him, you know, from the dreaming. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, he had a very, uh, you know, long and uh, uh, I would say ignominious history, actually. Uh, not because of his own doing, but because of what they put his character through, I think. Same with Leita. And I felt sad about that, but not as sad as I felt about later, obviously. I mean, Hector deserved, probably deserved right. a lot of what he got, but not to that mm-hmm. extent. You know, they had a tragic life there for a while. But like I say, everything ends uh, in a uh, in happiness eventually. So, Billy, uh, I think that's enough said about Hector. Uh, let's go on to the next one, which is the Star Spangled Kid. Now, you and I recently discussed him, but we didn't go into his origins, obviously, on our uh, recent Wolfcast uh, episode 20, uh, where we uh, focused on the Seven Soldiers of Victory, the original Golden Age team that the Star Spangled yeah. Kid and Stripesy were a part of. But I didn't ask mm-hmm. you your impressions then. What do you think about young Sylvester Pemberton, the Star Spangled Kid, from time displaced from the Golden Age? Yeah, I like him quite a bit. You know, this is a, a character that I love when you have uh, characters that jump around through different times. And I like him even more in, you know, the pages of Infinity Inc. here. You know, so that's uh, that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Starman, uh, Ted Knight, gifted him with a cosmic converter belt, you know, which gives him the power of flight and energy projection. And, um, you know, uh, whereas in the Golden Age, he just had, you know, his skills as, uh, you know, a little brawler, almost like the Atom. Uh, and uh, he, uh, rich, so he's rich, he's, he has a fortune. So he, you know, along with his uh, sidekick, Stripesy, who was also his chauffeur, they developed uh, the Star Rocket Racer. So that was their main mode of transportation, 
during the golden age, which we'll see that return. The star rocket racer will become the official vehicle of the Infinitors when they travel around once they settle in Stellar Studios, which is owned by Sylvester, you know, on the yeah. on the West Coast, so uh, in in LA. So you know, um, he will eventually, will as we'll find out in issue two, which we're going to discuss now. He will fund uh, Infinity Inc. and um, he will give them a permanent base on the West Coast, and so he's sort of their benefactor, really. But he's also uh, got the experience that I mentioned, so he will ma- sometimes make decisions related to team missions and so forth. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, we won't see Stripesy show up too many times in the Infinity Ink run, but I always loved his, his sidekick, Stripesy, uh, from the Golden Age. But he's not present right right at this moment. But they, they, they basically came together in the Golden Age to, you know, inspired by the whole uh, masked hero craze. Um, yeah. And they foiled a criminal scheme and then decided to go professional <laughs> you know, in the hero business. <laughs> and, you know, he used, mm-hmm. much like Bruce Wayne would use his fortune, he used that to fuel his superhero exploits to, to create costumes for them and the Star Rocket Racer and so forth. So I like those, those kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's uh, created, co-created, of course, by Jerry Siegel and, Hal, and, of course, Hal Sherman. So Jerry Siegel having created Superman. And he first appeared in Star Spangled Comics from 1941. So one of the, the classic characters from DC, really. And he's also a patriotic mm-hmm. superhero because he's got the flag as a costume, basically. Yep. But eventually mm-hmm. he would become Skyman because Roy decided mm-hmm. that he wanted to, to uh, you know, disassociate him from, from the whole patriotic side of, of, of comics right. because Infinity Inc. was not really about that. After all, if they're Infinity Inc., like Sylvester said, you know, well, he's going to say that in issue two that we're discussing, infinity means they can go anywhere, do anything. So there's really no borders. So it wouldn't make much sense to have this, uh, you know, uh, patriotic superhero tied to one country's flag. So he turned him into Skyman. But there were other reasons mm-hmm. for that too, right, Billy? But yeah, I like, I love, uh, you know, um, uh, the character of Sylvester Pemberton. And mm-hmm. then we'll move on to... Power Girl. <laughs> mm. Now, Billy Power Girl has not joined the team yet up to this point, but we saw her in issue one as part of the JSA. Huntress and Power Girl left in protest after they felt the kids had been mistreated by the older members of the JSA. Obviously, Power Girl, created by Jerry Conway, appeared in the revival, uh, All Star Comics revival, with issue 58 in the mid 70s, which we discussed in episode mm-hmm. one. Now, okay, Dr. Mm-hmm. Ange will hate me for this. I love Supergirl. I'm 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 a great super I'm a big Supergirl fan from the Silver Age onwards, but Power Girl has always been my absolute favorite when it comes to cousins of Superman. You know, I just love the character Power Girl. It's not I don't love her because of, of, of the reasons you think, because of you know, she's very busty. No, no, no. That came I was, later. I was say, is it the breast? <laughs> Is it Wally Woods' uh, ever-growing uh, breasts? You mean? <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, yeah, probably, probably that too. I, I let's let's be honest here, Billy. <laughs> it's probably that. Yeah, I just yeah. um, I, I love her, and I just same way I love Fury. Uh, I'm I'm not saying I have a thing for blondes. I just have I, I love these strong female characters. I mean, it's the same with Marvel. I I love She-Hulk. It's just this mm-hmm. this this strong woman who could break break me in half. Probably I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. <laughs> I mean, my wife in real life is not like that at all. She's I don't know, but you know, point being, poor Erin. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> well she's got her martial arts. She could probably take me out. <laughs> 
she's i think i see a christmas gift in uh aaron stocking here a blonde wig coming her oh, way oh <laughs> damn role play <sighs> i've tried that before billy you know <laughs> yeah after after one halloween when she dressed up as um daryl hannah from uh uh, kill bill Ooh, <laughs> kill bill 2 nice. that's the nurse <laughs> that's that's why we have that lying around that's what was great. her name again as a character i think something like l driver or something yeah that must mm-hmm. be it. yep still we're getting off that. topic here power girl that's definitely aaron's next cosplay <laughs> goal <laughs> do it <laughs> so you know uh the cousin of uh Superman from Superman. Earth 2, mm-hmm. of course. And um, Billy, mm-hmm. what do you think about her? I haven't even asked her opinion. Yeah, I haven't read a ton of uh, comics with Power Girl, to be honest with you. Um, I did enjoy, you know, uh, listening to, uh, you know, Who's Who coverage. Um, our buddies uh, Robin Shag about that. You know, they <laughs> they had quite a bit of fun with that character, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, uh, down the road, you and I are going to be talking a little all-star comics i believe uh one at one point in time or another so stay tuned for that so i'm really looking forward to diving into it and i really loved her uh, her appearances here in these first couple issues of infinity inc great character i love the way roy writes her yeah fantastic she's very sassy very mm-hmm. um uh you know she's she's got a lot of agency she's written as yeah. uh, not taking a backseat to anyone intellectually or yeah. power wise and uh yeah roy, she's yeah she, She's not like a jerk or anything like that, but she's just like, listen, don't like piss me off or, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I could crush you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she's, she she only does that when, you know, uh, things are really going provoked. south, you know, provoked. And uh, when she sees someone, uh, when she sees injustice, <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, then she'll, she'll call that out and stand up for the weak and the oppressed. And I like that about her. And yeah. she obviously, mm-hmm. um, almost similar to our Supergirl from Earth One Origin, where she you know, was sent in a slower-moving space vehicle. That's that's different than our Supergirl ship, from yeah. Earth Earth One's origin. Mm-hmm. But she was sent from Krypton mm-hmm. in a slower-moving ship, so she was raised by machines during the trip, whereas baby Kal-El yeah. was uh, almost instantaneously transported. Not instantaneously, but let's say over a period of weeks or months, he was transported to Earth, so he arrived as a baby. But she, you know, since the ship was, was so slow-moving, she grew up and then arrived much later. And, uh, you know the vagaries of space-time would obviously come into play and that's what caused so she would arrive in the future while she was still not very old but but that's when Kal-El had already become Superman and now he was her senior uh, of course you know having arrived in the Golden Age or having been already a superhero in the Golden Age so I, I think he has more of a father uh, Superman from the Golden Age I would say Superman from Earth 2, he has more like a, he plays a father figure role to her rather than an older cousin, uh, a yeah. little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, she Like did, a mentor. Yeah, like a mentor, really. And she does refer to him a couple of times, even though he doesn't show up in these, in the, the first three issues. I mean, we will see him uh, pretty soon in issue oh, four. Oh, boy. Ooh, and in a very, very sinister mm-hmm. way that he makes his appearance, but... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait until we get to that, uh, which is oh, going to be next it's episode. Crazy. Mm, it's going to be mad. Yeah, it blew me, it blew, blew me away. Yeah, but you know, um, the the bad thing was though, Billy. This this was tragic. That when um, the crisis happened, Kara had her oh. origin revamped. She was linked to uh, ancient Atlantis and and magical, uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. power, uh, magical energies that gave her her powers. And I just hated that they just wiped away her Kryptonian heritage. Uh, and she was one of the, the characters more affected by Crisis. You, do you know about that? Well, listen, I'm only going to say this one time, and it, please don't send hate mail, but I completely understand what DC and then Marv and George Perez were doing with uh, Crisis, but uh, I, I'm not a fan of the overwhelming majority of stuff it took away. So, all right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we're, we're firmly Bronze Age aficionados, and that's Even though Crisis was technically still Bronze Age, it was the the end of the DC Bronze Age that I loved. But you know, there were good things that came. You know, from 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 mm-hmm. after Crisis, of course, the Justice League right. International and and John Byrne Superman, Jerry Ordway Superman as well. But you know, I prefer the previous, uh, you know, the classic DC universe. So mm-hmm. just like you, Billy. But uh, we're still going to yep. discuss storylines set after Crisis. Of course, we're going to do that, just not as frequently as mm-hmm. we will the earlier stuff. Sure. So, Billy, next up, Huntress from Earth 2. That's Elena Wayne. And uh, did I mention when we discussed Power Girl that her her real name is Kara Zor-El? I don't think I did. And then now she's known as Karen Starr. You know, that's her alter ego Mm -hmm. on Earth. And, and of course, now we have uh, her best friend, I should say, which is uh, Helena Mm -hmm. Wayne, the daughter of Earth 2 Batman and Catwoman. After Catwoman Mm -hmm. went straight, of course. But at this point yeah. in time, they've both died. Unfortunately, the Earth 2 Batman, Earth 2 Catwoman, they were murdered. And uh, Huntress is now taking up the mantle of Batman. She's in, based in Gotham. She's basically their main defender. So she's taken over the role and the responsibilities of her father. And a fantastic character. What do you think of her, Billy? Okay, so again, a character I don't know a ton about. But what I do know about her, I love her. I absolutely love this character. And I love that... They have her being best buds with Power Girl because it's such a fantastic contrast. You have this uh, very powerful, flying around alien uh, woman that can punch people's lights out, and then you have like the street level character with you know, you know, all these different martial arts skills and you know, like uh, toys like Batman would have and the, the the you know agility and stuff like that, like her her mother had. Like I love that. That to me is what makes the two of them such a great team. The, the contrast there. I love it. Yeah. You see, I, I loved her too because of that. They're basically like the female versions of Superman and Batman. And, yeah. Um, but, but, but different in their own right because they have different personalities oh, yeah. and so forth. And personalities yeah, are like way, way different than those two goobers. I was devastated though, Billy, because in <laughs> Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths, uh, number 12, you know, the final issue, she died. You know, the anti-monitors. Here we go shockwave you know uh <laughs> killed her well she was knocked she was injured first and then knocked unconscious mm-hmm. and then uh, mm-hmm. rubble collapsed on top of her she burned to death basically by the thunderers um and uh, she also died uh, with uh, you know the earth 2 robin dick grayson uh, who she teamed up with mm-hmm. frequently i mean we shouldn't just say that she was the main defender of gotham of course earth 2 robin was there we saw him in episode in issue yeah. one but um you yeah, know yeah. I, th- I think elena you know took took a greater role uh you know in in it she was more you know inciting fear more of a batman-esque character than robin was at this mm-hmm. point in time and they all died i think they died yeah. along with the teen titans member cole if I can remember that issue correctly, uh, who, mm-hmm. and Cole sought to 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 save her, but she couldn't. And then they all, yeah, the three of them basically died, and 
Their remains were discovered by Batman, you know, from Earth One, Billy. Um, right. So yeah. yeah, they were buried then by them as well. So very, very tragic end. I love the character. I hated that, and I love Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, but when I saw what had been done to, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I thought, wait a minute, they're coming back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so did you just say you love Crisis on Infinite Earths? You're yeah. dead to me. No, but no, anyway. dude, dude, <laughs> dude. I mean, come on, that series is great, legitimately great for what it is. But of course, the repercussions is what I hated. But, you know, if you read through the issues, the Perez art, the storyline, you really mm. feel, you know, that this is a situation which is fraught with danger. You feel like this is something oh, that yeah. gripping there's, your heart. There's a, yeah, there's a ton of weight to it, absolutely. Mm, mm. And then, two, I keep trying to find on eBay a copy of DC Superstar 17, her first appearance, and it's, it always sells for more money than I can afford because I'm just a pauper. So if anybody <laughs> out there listening... Has a, a weather-beaten copy or a reprint or anything, for goodness sakes, send it to the show, a.k.a. me and her. <laughs> okay, that would be nice. That would be really nice. We would make our days. Well, you'll probably be the recipient that. of that because it was uh, someone in the state. <laughs> it but, annoys the crap out of me when I can't find uh, stuff like this because yeah. you know, it's in a you know, first appearance. I love having that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's, it always goes for uh, way too much cash for me. Yeah, well, there's still time, Mr. B. You never know what's going to happen in the future. They might, the price might drop, mm. or you might get a copy in the wild. Or we, we don't know. We've got to remain hopeful. But, uh, you know, a great character, The Huntress. Always loved her. In, and in, you know, many incarnations. And if you want to listen to a great podcast, check out The Huntress Podcast. Uh, mm, you know, yeah. With our friend Laurel. She's on mm -hmm. that. And um, that's, that, that's pretty, that's about the modern Huntress more, more so. But, you know, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah, they do. They do a really good job. They pop back and forth. You know, they do, like you said, mostly modern, but um, they've popped back in and done some of the older material as well, bronze and copper stuff too. And it's I always listen to those because, again, that's more in you know my wheelhouse. And they do a great job. It's Laurel and they're oh my gosh, I can't remember. Is it what's the guy's name? Oh dear God, Ashford. Ashford. Oh yeah, Ashford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, there's another young lady. I cannot recall her name either. Is she British, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I haven't listened to yeah. them in a while, but, you know, obviously She's I have in She's super, yeah, it's, it's really good. The three of them are very good at talking about Huntress and then, you know, Bat-adjacent stories. And I like it. They're very, very good coverage of that. So definitely tune into that show. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, the the name, the full name of the podcast is the Batgirl Huntress Podcast. You know, so it's yeah, Sandra yeah. Kane uh, mm -hmm. as the third Batgirl. And then, of, co of course, they discuss, you know, uh, like we say, all the ancillary stuff. So definitely you have to check that out. It's just a, a great show. And uh, Helena Bertinelli, you know, the Huntress obviously also uh, features mm -hmm. there all the time. So, uh, yeah, you oh, can follow them on Twitter as well, at Huntress Podcast. So, yeah, easy yeah, to find. And, and then another... Uh, uh, character for me that i think was uh fantastic on the animated series oh my gosh <laughs> they to me they got that character spot on and she began a little romantic relationship with the question and it was hilarious so she was a very serious character but you know had some uh humor in there as well but i loved how they portrayed her character <laughs> on that show oh fantastic yeah she's great yeah no they're, they're a great podcast you know so laurel's there and of course, mm -hmm. Ashford, and then sometimes Tim Price, you know, from because Ashford and Tim they're on the, <laughs> the Outcasters yeah. podcast, Batman and the Outsiders yeah. podcast. So he, he shows up too for guest appearances. That's always a great time, you know. So yeah, believe Tim's then, awesome. Yeah, I know he's great. Man. <laughs> Love him. 
And then, you know, we've got the next one on the list, which is uh, a fan favorite, uh, Brainwave Jr. So, Mm -hmm. Billy, we've already discussed this in episode one. A great visual. He's got the red, the blue, the yellow, you know, so the primary colors are all there. He stands out. He's uh, got these cool goggles, which which doesn't take Mm -hmm. away anything from his face because you can still see the eyes. These transparent goggles. And then... um, he uh, is has strong leadership qualities. He's highly intelligent, and he's got this great power mm-hmm. set, which is basically psychic powers on the level of, let's say, someone like Jean Grey over at Marvel, but presented differently here. Yeah. He's very much his father's son, but their powers are slightly different. What do you think of Brainwave Jr.? I love this character. You know, I love legacy characters, and I love it when they're in... Uh, opposite direction of you know their mother father whatever so you know you had brainwave who was this maniacal insane crazy villain and then you have brainwave jr that's like yeah no i'm not down with that and he's a hero through and through so i love that and like you said i kind of powers you know mimicking you know a telepath and uh, i love that too telekinetic telepath i i love those powers too those characters are always ones that i gravitate towards yeah, I like these psychokinetic, psychokinetic characters. And like we mentioned in the first yeah. episode, uh, Dan, Roy's wife, she also loved mm-hmm. you know, characters with this power set. That's why she lobbied to have him included. And uh, then Roy also jumped at the chance because he wanted to to redeem the costume that they gave the brainwave villain <laughs> in the mid-70s in all, the All-Star Comics revival. And then he turned it into a hero. Yeah, because this is very much mm-hmm. a heroic-like costume. And I love the little logo, yeah. which is this wave. You know, uh, it's like a radio wave, but it's obviously a brain Mm -hmm. wave, which is great. And then he's got a junior in his name, like Captain Marvel Jr. And, you know, his mother was, uh, obviously his father being the evil brain wave, his mother was Mary, the girl of a thousand gimmicks from the Golden Age, Mm -hmm. gimmick girl, uh, as she was known. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first it was portrayed that, you know, or or presented that she was um, psychically, you know, you know, intimidate or psychically controlled in order, uh, you know, to have a relationship with Brainwave, which is which is akin to rape. But then later they retconned that, that she was openly accepting of her husband, that she actually loved him. And I like that second interpretation more because I, oh, like, the, yeah. I like the fact that, you know, the Brainwave might have gone straight there for a while, <laughs> you know. And later on in Infinity Inc., Billy, I don't know how far you've read, but we'll, we'll see Brainwave actually the character of the original evil brainwave redeem himself he cares a lot about his son and uh we'll see that 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 come into play um well yeah yeah. well thanks for spoiling that jerk no no i mean i didn't i mean obviously (laughs) i didn't tell you the 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 big whopper that's gonna happen but (laughs) i'm just teasing oh so you did read that far then or not yet No, not yet. I have not. <laughs> no, well, then don't worry, man. I, I haven't you know, spoiled too much. You know me. Yeah, you know me. I, I don't care about spoilers. I read about stuff all the time on, like, you know, wiki and stuff like that that I've never seen. Movies, everything. I don't give a crap. I, I hope read about some of our listeners feel the same then because <laughs> they might mm-hmm. not be as generous as you, Mr. B, but uh, sorry Spoiler for those alert. listeners out there. Yeah, but, you know, I didn't mention anything that hasn't happened yet. But you remember you asked me on an episode of World on Fire whether we'll see the brainwave again. And. We would, yes. but not in the pages of All-Star Squadron. Definitely here in Infinity Inc. He would play a major role. And um, mm-hmm. it's obviously because of his son, Brainwave Jr. Because right now yeah. he doesn't really have a relationship with his dad. I mean, his dad left no. when he was very young. And um, mm-hmm. he doesn't know much about him. He, his mom raised him and uh, 
so you know he he does have this uh this complex but he's more intelligent than most or more i'd say mentally sound than most you kind of have to be to deal with this 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 psychokinetic powers that you have right if you have that kind of power so he he can accept that so he doesn't have any psychosomatic uh you know um like let's say for instance uh, probably todd rice has uh but he doesn't have any psychosomatic symptoms based off of the trauma of not having a father but he does want to to sort of confront his dad and he doesn't yeah. really know what what he's going to do when he does but um yeah he does have that link to his father and he wants to to sort of reestablish it because after all the, the 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 only other time they met in the pages of comics was when you know they had the crossover with the all-star squadron in in the annual and brainwave jr managed to knock his dad out with a brain blast and that's uh, yeah. <laughs> arguably because that was the evil version of his dad not the dad who had fathered him yet you know but still so you know he he uh, has this complex a little bit about his father so i like that about the character i like that quite a bit so mr b a great power set he frequently uses his powers for offensive means by just resorting to a direct brain blast which can not only affect minds it can affect physical matter he could it's almost like a telekinetic uh, push or a telekinetic force beam that can break through walls shatter stone and uh, knock you for a loop he can also scatter it uh, in a wider arc which can affect multiple foes at the same time multiple opponents and uh, he could read minds uh, he's he's got telepathy he can create force shields which is a very useful power we'll, we'll find out why later and then he can also use his mental powers to cast illusions which is how mm. he first introduced himself. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out just, just what happens now when we discuss issue two. But we're <laughs> all, almost done discussing the characters. Of course, he's a great uh, addition to the team, Brainwave Jr. He just wouldn't show up all the time. You know, there would be issues where he, he's just not there. You know, so I, I kind of, I was always sad about that when I didn't see him in every single issue. You know what I mean, Mr. B? Right, absolutely. Yeah, but but um, definitely one of the more visually pleasing characters of the bunch. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be more characters soon, but we'll discuss them as they show up. Uh, Mr. B, now, before we go into the discussions of the topics, I want to mention our Twitter responses here. Because we had, mm. we had so many... And of yeah. course, you know, um, most of them were in favor of certain characters. So uh, we had... Uh, specifically 78 comments on my Twitter question of who's your favorite Infinity Inc. character. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it seemed that the way I tallied it, more votes went towards uh, the following three characters. Jade is at the top. She's number one. But a lot of people mentioned two, you know, characters or three characters even per comment, if you know what I mean. But Jade was at the Mm -hmm. top. You know, she had more than uh, 30 uh, people chiming in saying that she's their favorite. And then um, uh, number two is Fury. And almost neck and neck with Fury is Obsidian. And then you have Brainwave Jr. in fourth place. And then the rest were were harder to tally because they were, you know, all over the place. So I didn't, I just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) uh, estimated their numbers. But the ones, uh, Nuclon is firmly in the middle. Star Spangled Kid uh, uh, at the bottom for some reason. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't associate him with Infinity Inc. for some reason, even though the image I posted had him included. But yeah, he got a very low score. And then the lowest is Hector Hall. 
and Northwind. You know, not a lot of people pick them as their favorites, but there were a few comments which said they couldn't pick a favorite because the entire team worked well together. You know, so I'm gonna read a few of the longer comments. Um, and uh, here's one that, that does in fact pick the Star Spangled Kid. It's uh, a Twitter user by the name of the Terrible Hook at the Terrible Hook. <laughs> and he said, Star Spangled Kid is my favorite because he was the bridge between the JSA and Infinity Inc. So that's a good that's mm. a good uh, reason. Mm. Right? He was a vastly underutilized character uh, who died a ridiculous death. And then he said, "Good luck on your first episode." You know, so it's a very nice comment there by the mm, terrible hook. You. Yeah. So of course, yes, we didn't get into that. Uh, Star Spangled Kid did, in fact, uh, you know, die a, t- <laughs> a terrible death. And uh, I don't know if we should get into that or, or if that would be. Uh, spoilers, but basically, yeah, maybe we should get into that, Billy. Um, you know, uh, although when he was at Skyman at that point in time, I think it was mm-hmm. uh, Solomon Grundy, um, he used Mr. Bones, you know, a character that would show up later, right. who was poisonous, uh, to burn Sylvester's face, and that killed him. So, yeah, a kind of a horrible death, uh, like a horror-esque death, but, but also ignominious. I wouldn't have, you know, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, a character from the classic Golden Age to be killed like that. Well, killed by Solomon Grundy, you could understand, because he, he had it in for all the classic Golden Age characters. But to be killed yeah. by having your face burned off, it's quite terrible. And then, of course, his cosmic converter belt would go towards the next Star Spangled Kid, Courtney Whitmore, who's arguably mm-hmm. now the more famous character if you look at the Stargirl TV show and so forth. And Jeff Johns created sure. her based off of his his uh, sister who had passed who was mm-hmm. killed in a plane crash, in fact. So a great character in her own right. But I'm just saying, yeah. poor Star Spangled Kid, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, to have died like that. Mm-hmm. Very, very disturbing. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to read that comment. And then we had other people, you know, chiming in with longer comments saying, uh, Chuck from Chuck Daddy 64 he said, Jade Fury Star Spangled Kid. He said, the reason why I picked Jade as number one is Jade is the most centered, but Fury has the most untapped potential and the Star Spangled Kid is the tether to the past. So most of the people, even mm. though there weren't a lot of them who picked Star Spangled Kid, picked him for the reason that he is the link between the JSA, you know, and the right. the, the new generation. And then good had, point. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of other listeners. Now I'm. It's impossible to to mention everyone's comments. I'm just mentioning the longer ones. And a lot of people just said Jade, 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 Jade. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, then, and then some of them posted images of their favorite Jade moments or of Fury or, you know, uh, of, of the other characters. And then um, uh, some of them, you know, who the, the few who picked Nuclon said that they liked him because he had the most interesting character development arc where he would become Atom Smasher, you know, and where he would learn more from his powers as the series progressed, whereas the rest of the, the Infinitures already knew the extent of their powers in most cases, he would still develop power-wise. And, uh, you know, I like the fact that they, that's the reason they liked him. And then, uh, yeah, we had some other listeners chiming in saying that uh, Huntress was their favorite. Um, and she was very low at the bottom, too. I don't know why. Power Girl and Huntress, not a lot of people picked them. And I think the the reason for that is because the image I posted did not, in fact, have them on. But, you know, they were there from the very beginning, actually. 
and they said the Huntress because she became a superhero under tragic circumstances. This is from Randy Koo, by the way, which is at Randy KH172. So because of Huntress tragic origin, he likes her. And because the Earth 2 Bat family had died under those circumstances, you know, there was a lot of pathos and, and uh, associated with her. She lived long enough to find out that she and everything she knew doesn't exist in Crisis. And then she also died a terrible death in Crisis on Infinite Earths number 12, which we mentioned. So they sort of picked her because of this nostalgic sense that, you know, she will never show up again and, uh, you know, that she died uh, defending the universe, which, mm -hmm. which is a great reason. I, I don't begrudge them for picking that. And then Slangworth no. Scott, you know, one of our old friends yeah. from, from our Into the Weird days, and of course he, yeah. he supports all of our podcasts, Slangworth said, yeah. I like Nuclon's personality, but Jade is his favorite uh, because of her look. And he likes mm -hmm. all the Infiniters looks, though. Kudos to Jerry Ordway and Mike Macklin for the great designs. So, you know, Billy, mm -hmm. you and I both agree on that. Yep. And then Cat chimed in and uh, she's from uh, Quirrell Docs S so obviously a Legion of Superheroes fan Brainiac 5 as her avatar there uh, Obsidian and Jade are definitely my two favorite heroes from Infinity Inc says Cat but this series also introduced two of my favorite villains to the DCU <laughs> and mm. then one Supergirl and Brainiac account from uh, uh, someone called Atkara Quirrell chimed in and says well obviously you'd like Jade because Jade can pass for a Koluan <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and then she said just kidding I, I adore them both so I think the two villains that she meant might be you know from, from later in the series it might be you know mm. um, uh, Mr. Bones uh, even and, and his team that was introduced later on um. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure which which two she meant. Well, uh, yeah. Don't spoil that for me, too, pal. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're not that far yet, right, <laughs> Mr. B? No. <laughs> so you know, we don't have a lot of time to go because we're already over an hour. I just want to thank all of the ones, all of the people on Twitter. Yeah, you know, who thank you who very wrote much. In. We really appreciate that very much. Thank you for all your feedback. And then, Billy, you and I are going to get into issue two and three right now. But before mm -hmm. we do that, Billy, I'm going to ask you right now, and this is it. Now, we, we might seem hypocrites later because as you read the, the, through the uh, first series, through the, through the series, you might have other favorites that come cropping up. Mm -hmm. But right now, who are your favorite Infinitors? Who's your top favorite? And then you can have some honorable mentions. Okay, so I guess if I had to do, I'll do like a 1A and B. And Star Spangled Kid is the tops. Uh, I really like that character quite a bit. You know, I love his attitude, his ability to, you know, lead. But, you know, like you said, he doesn't always lead, but he does interject. And then um, I love his uniform as well. And like a lot of people have mentioned, I love how he's, you know, the, the, the connection to the Golden Age. Uh, I love that. I, I really love that about him. Great pick. Great pick. Who would be your number two or number three if you, if you could pick? Them? That's Brainwave Jr., uh -huh. I love the, the, the rebellious kid, you know, uh, mm. and it's it's such it's such an 80s thing, you know, like, you know, the punk movement, <laughs> late 70s, and early 80s, you know, like, yeah, screw everything. And, you know, like I said, I love how he has the, the evil father and he's like, well, oh, yeah, you're evil. Then I'm going to be good because, you know, it's like, you know, fight, fight, <laughs> fight the power. Face, kind dad. Of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that and that uniform is just dynamite. I think that's the best design of all the Infinitors. Yeah, it is incredible. I, I, I admit that's one of my favorite uniforms, definitely. I, I'd probably give it to Obsidian as, for an overall look, but for uniform, oh, yeah. yeah. Nuclon and that Brainwave Jr., too. yeah. Great. Mm 
So, yeah. believe, so what about you? Yeah, for me, top favorite, it has always been ever since I was a kid. Because I've been in love with her ever since her appearance in All-Star Squad. <laughs> Fury. Lita Hall, mm-hmm. my absolute mm-hmm. favorite. Sometimes I call her Lita Hall. Sometimes I call her Lita Hall. Hippolyta, Lita Hall doesn't sound right, quite right. <laughs> no double T. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I just call her Lita Hall right now at this point in time. I just don't care. I just love her. You know, um, she, her, her visuals, her power set, you know, her mm-hmm. personality. And then, of course, the, the tragic way her character was reappropriated uh, by Vertigo later on and yeah. what happened to her just just few adds to the tragedy because I, it just makes me miss her more in her orig- yeah. original form as she appeared and um you. you know the the storylines featuring her was also great i always loved it when she got into the action you know um very much always on point you know since she was one of the 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 scrappers of the team and um yeah i just um always been in love with fury uh, not for the same reasons as I like Power Girl, though. I I, li- I love Power Girl probably before Fury because I read her in the JSA team-ups, you know, with the Justice mm. League. Okay. Uh, probably before I encountered her in uh, Infinity Inc. But um, you know, I love Power Girl back then. But Fury was just it, it, she she was my ultimate favorite and possibly mm-hmm. my my favorite female superhero character of the eighties. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, so Fury's my top. And then second, I would have to go for Jade. You know, Jade mm-hmm. is such a quirk. She has such a quirky personality. And I think in the beginning, I was lukewarm towards Jade. But, you know, after Jerry and Mike Macklin left and, you know, Tony DeZuniga and Don Newton came on the title, you know, I there was this issue. I think it was issue 13 where Jade, you know, is on her own. They're on this island. They're taking a break. And then Jade, you know, she's practicing her acting so she turns herself into these famous hollywood actresses you know like (laughs) you know uh, costume wise you know with her powers and then uh, you know you see a lot of her personality and she's just great i just love her she's so sassy you know she's in your Mm -hmm. face um i just i just know she reminds me of girls that i knew in the 80s you know uh older girls obviously but but you know very very interesting personality wise so jade is my second favorite and then third favorite i would probably Mm -hmm. have to go for obsidian based off of his Mm -hmm. look and his power set and of course they gave him the schizophrenia to deal with and uh you know obsidian was sort of i think what also indirectly inspired todd mcfarlane to create the character of spawn now that's not a good thing Mm -hmm. but you know todd mcfarlane would come on the title later on and he would pencil obsidian and there's a a fantastic visual overlap between obsidian that jerry ordway created and and mike macklin of course the design they created and then Todd McFarlane spawn eventually so it was sort of like a tryout right. character for him I think but, mm-hmm. but the darkness is there you know the stuff we like from horror the, the specter-esque quality to Obsidian the Ghost Rider like punishment that he doles out through his through his yeah. shadow powers I love that so yeah he's mm-hmm. my third favorite yeah so those are our cool. personal favorites uh, now listen if there are any listeners out there who did not chime in on Twitter please send us some feedback to starrocketradio at gmail.com uh, detailing your favorite characters and why, mm-hmm. and then we'll read that on the show. Come yeah. uh, next episode, definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Mister B, do you have your issues in front of you? Because we're getting into issue two. Oh yeah. Of Infinity mm-hmm. Inc. All right, so I'll provide some specs here, some details mm-hmm. regarding this issue. Uh, Infinity Inc. Number two, uh, cover penciled by Mike Macklin, inked by Jerry Ordway. And it mm. was cover dated May 1984 on sale February the 16th, uh, the 16th, 1984. 
Cover price, $1.25. One thing I should mention, Billy, is of course, this was a direct market uh, publication. So you wouldn't have right. found these comics in, you know, you wouldn't find them in the 7-Elevens or corner stores yeah, or no. newsstands. You would have to go to the comic shops. shops. And mm -hmm. But that was not the reason. I don't know why exactly it was difficult for me to find these more high-end comics that were printed on the Baxter paper, you know, of the direct yeah. uh, uh, market comics. Uh, because nice. I found all the Legion of Superheroes uh, Baxter comics. I found all of them. I had no trouble tracking them down, uh, you know, in South Africa. But for some reason, the Infinity Ink ones were hard to come by. After, let's say, issue 10 or issue 11, I had some real trouble oh. filling in the gaps. Yeah, so in South Africa, it maybe shouldn't it, have mattered. Maybe, yeah, maybe the print run was a little lower or something. Maybe, maybe. It could be. I'm not sure about that. But, of mm -hmm. course, they were more high-quality comics and um yeah you know that's one of the reasons for the obviously the, the the cover price being what it is editor roy thomas again editing himself and the title mm -hmm. of issue number two a gauntlet hurled and uh, <laughs> the writer roy thomas plotted by danette thomas penciled by jerry ordway inked by mike macklin lettered by john constanza and colored by adrian roy so, Billy, mm -hmm. of course, you can find this reprinted in Infinity, Inc., the Generation Saga, Volume 1. This is now Part 2 of the Generation Saga in this issue particularly. Mm -hmm. That hardcover is out of print, but you can find some copies on eBay. I've checked they're there. I'm reading them in the original, yeah. so I'm not going to double dip yet. I'm waiting for my Infinity, Inc. omnibus <laughs> <laughs> to drop, hopefully sometime <laughs> soon. That's great. Uh, maybe. And, Please. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe soon. So, Billy, let's talk about this. Uh, I'll let you go mm. first. What do you What do you think about uh, this cover? It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, you know, you have uh, a certain uh, ape-like uh, beast in the background <laughs> here, uh, using his uh, mental powers to harass uh, <laughs> the uh, Infinitors, and then we have uh, four of the members who were all but knocked out on the floor, while the other uh, six are trying to get their bearings, and it says. Uh, it says the summoning and then will the next generation of superheroes even last till tomorrow or will they meet their dooms yesterday so wow. awesome cover awesome, awesome such cover. an awesome cover it. and a great mm. cover blurb too where you know those two little caption boxes there you know talking about mm -hmm. tomorrow and then their dooms yesterday i love it and this is obviously mm. tying up you know the whole what happened to the infinitors before they appeared in the pages for all-star squadron even though this you know, series yeah. was released uh, well after the annual. You know, um, they, mm -hmm. the, Roy still decided to tell the tale of how they came together. Because after all, once they appeared for the first time in All-Star Squadron 24, which was the Brainwave's first appearance, Brainwave Jr., and then the Infinitors mm -hmm. showing up in All-Star uh, Squadron number 25, they were already a team. So, of course, we yeah. have to start with how did they become a team? And this mm -hmm. is the issue that tells us that tale. And it also yeah. tells us of the ultra-humanite, obviously, kidnapping them. Now, if you mm -hmm. if you want more detail on that, you can check out our World on Fire podcast, if you haven't yet. Mm -hmm. I think most of the listeners of, of this podcast have already sampled <laughs> that, right, Billy? But um, <laughs> yeah. that's where we discussed in recent episodes the ultra-war, which is uh, the Ooh. issues, uh, obviously, from All-Star Squadron number 24 to number 26, and then the annual. Uh, which details their the Infinity Inc. Uh, crossover with the All-Star Squadron and their battle against the Ultra-Humanite and her Golden Age cronies and also the future Secret Society of Supervillains, super <laughs> mm -hmm. 
which sports <laughs> Brainwave Jr.'s dad, the Brainwave, and of course this character, the Ultra Humanite, in his ape form and in his form as a Golden Age starlet in 1940. <laughs> <laughs> so wow, fantastic! Yeah, that was that was pretty wild. That was I think I think that was three episodes, 16, 17, and 18. If we That's all right. That. that was a lot. That was a lot that of episodes. A lot, a lot of lot of mm-hmm. talking on our part. A lot of uh, soothing of throats and of vocal cords. A lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. So, I believe the opening splash of this issue. Though. Oh, wow. my word. Oh, wait, wait. I, I forgot to mention something. Did you see the Kirby crackle? Uh, the green Kirby crackle on oh, the yeah. cover? Whoa. Yeah. Pretty nice fantastic. there, man. Fantastic. Pretty yeah, the, fantastic. Yeah, the color film. scheme on that cover is very eye-catching. Sweet. Very, very good. Love it. Love it. And then the opening splash where we see the, mm. the current roster of Nuclon, Silver Scarab, Fury, Jade, Obsidian, and uh, Northwind. You know, discussing mm-hmm. you know, this is like right outside the JSA brownstone. They've been just been rejected for membership, and they're discussing what to <laughs> yeah. do. Look at how great Jerry Ordway draws their faces. It's 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 fantastic. Oh. Yeah, I cannot believe it. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Like again, we've talked about on our other show. Like I said, All Star Squadron. It was a shame to see Jerry leave, and again, not putting down the other artists because they do a fine job as well. But you know, he was definitely, you know the. The, the best artist on that title but he came over to this title now and is doing his you know insane crazy awesome work on here and it's just it can't get any better it's just incredible work that's right i mean i'm they're discussing what to do and then they don't really have an idea but jade comes up with an idea and then northwind too and he says the idea is just simply called flying and then we have another two-page splash Whew. you know falling mm. off of the first page which is them taking off into the sky, leaving the JSA brownstone behind in New York City and just uh, wanting to get some air. You know, they don't know exactly where Mm -hmm. they're going yet. They just want to leave because, after all, they've been summarily rejected. And uh, pissed. Yeah, Hector Hall (laughs) especially is feeling it, right? You can see he's he's very Mm -hmm. upset. Northwind, though, he looks optimistic and fine. He's, He's happy to just fly free and... Then we see Jade's first use of her uh, force bubble, which she will use for transportation for the rest of the Infiniters more often than not, right, Billy? And then mm-hmm. they take off, and Hector's still upset. And oh, while they're boy. flying, they just discuss some, you know, uh, personal things. Um, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Hector and Northwind not being on the best of terms. Northwind's trying to make friends, but Hector just shuts him down every time. And then Jade whispers in Northwind's ear, kind of saying, like, listen, we just met Northwind, but whatever your problem is with Hector, I doubt you'll solve it by going down on your knees. <laughs> so that's why I love Jenny Lynn. She's just fantastic when yep. it comes to advice or when it comes to her own, you know, how she'll handle the situation on her own. Wow, it's she so... It like it is. Yeah. yeah. She I keeps like it that. real. And then uh, mm-hmm. Northwind takes her advice to heart because, after all, he's unused to dealing with humans. Um, mm-hmm. Hawkman, his father, Hawkman and Hawkgirl are the only humans up, up to this point that he's met even, so... Um, and then, you know, they decide to get some chow. You know, they feel, well, specifically Fury and Nuclon because they ha- their metabolisms are different. Um, uh, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're hungry all the time, <laughs> apparently. And, uh, you know, they say, hey, let's get, get something to eat. A late night snack. Mm-hmm. So, Billy, now speak mm-hmm. upon this next bit. This is pretty great. J- again, it's Jade coming up with the idea where to go. Um, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, they, they're thinking like, this is our Christmas Eve, right? So apparently we forgot to mm-hmm. mention that this is Christmas Eve, everything, all the restaurants yeah. have been fully booked. And so they kind of have to go somewhere where it's easy to get some grub 
And where do they go? Uh, a burger joint named McTavish's. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's in the DC uh, universe of Earth 2 is called McTavish's, folks. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's a Burger this does, King. Yeah, well, this does predate, I because I had to look, Coming to America, you know, a very popular movie that had McDowell's. Oh! <laughs> McDonald's, but this is like a couple years, three or two, three, four years before that movie came out. So, because uh, I thought, oh, did they rip this off? No, nope. Great idea. <laughs> Great idea by Roy here. McTavish. Fantastic. You know. Yep. Yeah, man. I and mean, there's some uh, interesting people in this uh, Tavish's. <laughs> yeah, talk about them, Billy. I mean, obviously, it starts with them just ordering up a burger and the people that, you know, the. The staff all think, well, listen, who are these crazy folks? This is this is oh, Christmas, yeah. not Halloween. And then, you know, we see the clientele starting to take notice of these weirdos who just walked in ordering burgers. And in, in Fury and Northwind's mm-hmm. case, they each ordered half a dozen burgers each, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, do, okay, so during there's some great comedic bits here by Roy and Dan Thomas in, interjected here because it's in Nuclon, he can't get enough food, so he keeps stealing people's fries. He even seems to grab Obsidian by the neck, you know, to steal his fries. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah, and like I said, some of the customers, too, they're looking at them and they say, a guy says, some hustlers will do anything to attract attention. <laughs> yeah. And they don't like them tra- attracting attention Mm-mm. because this pimp that frequents this joint with one of his ladies, <laughs> he wants the customers to notice them. So they decide to have some fun with these these Halloween types. And they send, uh, what's mm-hmm. her name, Alvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> they send Alvira <laughs> over there to mess with Northwind. And, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, she's about to grab his, what it seems to be his feather mohawk, right? So we've got two mohawk sporting characters in the team, remember? But Northwind's uh, feathery mohawk is arguably the tallest of the bunch, right? So she reaches for it and then Jade just zaps her hand. Buzz off, bozos. And she zaps Mm -hmm. her with a a green beam. And that that was Mm -hmm. in that panel on page six where (laughs) Nuclon steals Obsidian's (laughs) fries by, by just rice. restraining him. <laughs> <laughs> and Obsidian looks like he's laughing about it too. Yeah, man, he's having the time of his life. But then Obsidian turns on on a dime here. I don't think this is related to his schizophrenia, but he immediately, no. once Jenny Lynn zaps this, this girl, and then Elvira. the pimp turns nasty. Yeah, Elvira. Yeah. Then the, uh, Obsidian shows off his strength here. He just grabs this pimp and Judo throws him onto the table and crushes Northwind's mm-hmm. burger. Uh, sorry, crushes Nuclon's burgers. Now, whether or not this was in revenge for having his fries stolen, <laughs> the jury's out on that. But it happens. And this pimp just mashes their burgers into paste. And then Elvira leaps on Northwind's back and starts trying to rip out his, his feathery mohawk. Yeah, and she has him in a chokehold, too. It's like, what? Oh, man, it's great. Mm. This is a great scene. And oh, then it's great, yeah. What happens with, with Nuclon? I mean, he picks up the pimp, and then... Yeah, and then the pimp has this, like, meathead white guy in a cut-off T-shirt that's, like, his muscle, I guess. And he punches Nuclon, and it kind of, you know, it hurts him, like, for about two seconds. But before Nuclon can even go to town on him... Oh, he actually, he does. I'm sorry, he grabs him. And throws him through a window. And it's like, he's going to get messed up real bad. But Jade uses her powers to uh, shield him from not going through the window, but getting cut up by all the glass. And then, of course, the worker there is like, yo, knock it off. And then she says, 
you guys cut out the fighting, okay? Or else take it down the street to Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> you can trash our distinguished competition any day. Just don't mess with McTavish's. Yeah, she says my the manager will kick my tail when he sees this mess. So she's trying to keep the peace, but you know, Scarab and Fury, they haven't had a piece of the action yet, so they decide, no, 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 we're not going to stop yet. You know, because uh, Scarab even says to the to the to the manager, he says, "Sorry, kid, but we've got a little kicking to do ourselves." <laughs> so Fury grabs this one guy, and he can immediately feel, you know, her strength. He's outclassed, so he says. She says, I'm going to use my... Well, because Hector warns her that she could kill this guy easily if she doesn't, you know, uh, exercise some self-control. So she says, no, I'm going to make him feel my strength so that he can remember this for a long time. And the guy immediately, he's scared to death. He's like, I'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> but then one of them grabs a knife and, and the manager, you yeah. know, I think that's the manager who's stepped out to sort of keep the peace. And he's threatening to cut up her face if they don't back off. And who mm -hmm. takes him out, you know, in style, Billy? Oh, Obsidian, and it's great because he's Oof. in, like, that spectral form. So the guy starts being like, what the heck is going on here? And then, like you said, he uses that power where it kind of makes him look inward, that Ghost Rider-esque kind of power, oh, which is great. It. And then he just love collapses, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His fears <laughs> are turned, in, turned inwards. He can't face his own darkness, and he, he becomes unconscious. And then Obsidian yeah. becomes tangible right in front of the manager right mm -hmm. um and then you know uh she asked what did you do to this guy and obsidian he seems to know a lot about his powers you know almost mystically mm -hmm. he has this knowledge yeah. about his powers he tells her in no uncertain terms which which leaves her gobsmacked he says i turned his inner eye upon the bottomless darkness of his own soul and which of us could withstand such a sight <laughs> and what does the <laughs> what does she the goes, manager say uh right <laughs> like she's like what the heck and then that one other i don't know if it's one of the other prostitutes or yeah she is what she's it is strung out she, uh, she yeah she just saw a junkie yeah, yeah. And she pulls out a, a a six shooter and says you're gonna pay for that you hurt benny and she's gonna like shoot them and then all of a sudden <laughs> some help arrives <laughs> yeah now this is cool the huntress hurls a dagger but she hurls it hilt first so that it knocks yeah. the gun from the the junkie's hand without hurting her and we see power girl and huntress stepping through the broken window now look how beautifully huntress is penciled there by ordway and macklin huh? uh, billy i mean uh -huh. look at her face she's just stunning and and power girl oh, yeah. too of course but the huntress there she's the winner in that shot and then while they're talking to the all-star saying they can't leave the kids alone for a minute they followed them Obviously, we, we know why, because they were upset at their treatment, you know, at JSA headquarters. They want to talk to them, calm them down. And yeah. so these two <laughs> meatheads, they're going to jump them from behind. What happens there, That's Billy? Great. Speak on this. Well, uh, yeah, the one, like you said, meathead guy with the crazy tattoo and earrings and all says, now's our chance to get them while their backs is turned. And the other guy <laughs> says, no way, Jose them broads is more even more worse than the guys <laughs> yeah oof, bad grammar so there, they don't man. even really yeah so they don't even want to like really do anything and they just start trying to like get up i think to like get out of there and furies <laughs> slaps the big meathead like right in the face super strength slapped and he's yeah. down for the count he's probably in a coma <laughs> or he's probably got a concussion yeah. at the very least he's knocked out yeah 
And then Wonder uh, Power, sorry, Power Girl says, uh, "You ne- you didn't have to do that. He couldn't have hurt me, you know, since she's invulnerable." And Fury says, yeah. "I wanted to do it to somebody. Might as well be him, <laughs> because <laughs> after all, she didn't get she she wasn't a part of this fight. She wanted a piece of these guys, the right? Yeah, yeah, and some action." And mm-hmm. then Hector being Mr. High Pockets, you know, Mr. Money Money Pockets, I should say. He, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. Deep Pockets, he pays, you know, the, for the damages. And then they say, yeah. if there's any more damages we're not aware of, send the bill. Send us a bill. And then the manager says, but where should we send the bill? And they say, to the JSA headquarters. <laughs> we're the <laughs> Justice Society. And that's Jade saying that, right? That's yeah, why I love her. Great. And then Obsidian says, sis, you're incorrigible. <laughs> <laughs> she says i try to be <laughs> yeah oh man the cops show up jade ferries them away in her energy bubble and they mm-hmm. head towards uh cara zorel karen star's apartment mm-hmm. you know so that they can have a bit of a uh, chin wag wow yeah wow. Mm-hmm. and then the cops show up and ask what happened here and then they say oh well this being christmas eve looks like somebody left us a whole bunch of christmas presents <laughs> so they can round <laughs> yeah. up this pimp and his gang and then, so that's the very first case of Infinity Inc., folks. I mean, even before the Ultra Humid and the All Star Squadron debacle, this was their very first case: trashing a pimp and his uh, flunkies. <laughs> mm-hmm. At a, at a, you know, fast food joint. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But then, Billy, we see what happened. What was teased mm. as the final pal- panel to, of issue one, where the brain yeah. wave. You know, the old enemy of the Justice Society blasted a hole in JSA headquarters and confronted the JSA and this now picks up this is now the final page of or the final uh, couple of pages to this issue uh, where the brainwave shows up now uh, I didn't want to spoil this in our first episode but is it the brainwave is it their old enemy showing up Mm, nope it is certainly not (laughs) (laughs) it is brainwave junior again why I mean this does this really it makes sense for brainwave junior to show up in the guise of his father as one of their old villains because he says he wanted to get their attention. But it makes no sense. Come on, Billy. This this only makes sense in his mind because he turns up as one of oh, their yeah. enemies, casts an illusion on himself to look like his dad just to get their attention, then blasts mm-hmm. their wall in. I mean, what yeah, the heck? <laughs> yeah, that's not too smart. But, you know, my absolute favorite dialogue, though, after all the funny parts, this is my favorite dialogue. You have Green Lantern that says, look out, he must have a reason for taking on that fake body he's used before and then hawkman says better surrender brainwave or we might forget the fact that you're really an old man under that youthful exterior and brainwave jr says who are you guys calling old i feel like i just crashed a soiree of the gray panthers (laughs) (laughs) the black panthers having gone gray (laughs) oh yeah that's 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 fantastic that's a fantastic line and then you know uh wildcat probably took this more personally than the others because yeah. he's, he's almost panther-esque, right? So he's probably thinking yeah. this was directed towards him. He says, <laughs> I'm going to give you the old bare knuck special, kid. So, you know, but before that happens, Green Lantern takes a hand and he sort of restrains uh, Brainwave Jr. with the uh, green manacles, right? And then Brainwave mm-hmm. Jr. just shows off his power here. He releases a mental blast that knocks Green Lantern out of the air and disintegrates the the green manacles Hand at the cups. same time that now yeah. now he probably wasn't using all of his willpower here not the full extent mm-hmm. but anyone able to do that to green lantern is immensely uh powerful so yeah 
that's that's one of the reasons I love this character, you know. And then uh, Wildcat makes good on his threat. He tries to grab Brainwave <laughs> Jr., but Brainwave blasts him the same way. And Wildcat says, "Yelp." <laughs> oh, and then even even a more awesome dialogue. Um, he says, "You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be sorry you did that, Sonny." And Brainwave, I'm already. I'm sorry already. <laughs> <laughs> but getting belted really, by you. Yeah, yeah, he did really come there like on a peaceful mission. But like you said too, he really did it in a stupid way. That's not going to get you, you know. You want to show up at somebody's doorstep and you smash a hole through their wall instead of just knocking on the door and being like, "Hey, hello, this is who I really am." Why would you show up yeah. looking like a villain and then blast through the wall? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, especially <laughs> the JSA. I mean, come on. Yeah. What does he think? What was he thinking was going to happen? Of of course they'll <laughs> react, you know, aggressively towards this you know, person just blasting a hole in in their headquarters. Yeah. But you know, then uh, everybody gets in on the action, right? He he brain blasts oh, Wonder page. Woman who tries to lasso him. She is knocked backwards into our man. They're both taken out. And then, you know, Dr. Midnight tosses a blackout bomb, but, you know, with his telekinesis, he keeps the smoke at bay. Hawkman takes to the air. Johnny Thunder just points, right? Uh, man, he looks old in that. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Martin, you know, one of our uh, listeners gave feedback. He said, you know, the Atom looks, uh, you know, old and, you know, uh, you know, grandpa-ish. Right. But, wow, Johnny mm-hmm. Thunder looks even worse in this case. <laughs> and the Flash goes into, you know, action. Dr. Fate and the Star Spangled Kid hold back because Dr. Fate says he senses that this is not the original brainwave, the, the mystical right. energy signature that he can detect in people's souls are is different so the star spangled kid takes his advice he he hangs back and then the flash takes out brainwave jr and uh, our man punches him on the chin but then he uh, releases another mental blast that hurls four of his opponents backwards and then star spangled kid steps in and says enough of this let's hear him out <laughs> so hawkman yeah. You know, Star Spangled Kid hits the the hammer on the nail here when he says Hawkman's still upset, you know, with with his kid showing up. You know, he's still angry at About son number infinity. one. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. why he's just <laughs> reacting with violence. But come on, Hawkman was re- reacting reasonably here for me because, yeah. wow, this is a super, a super villain move that Brainwave Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, pulled here. And then Dr. Fate yep. also advises him to listen to the kid. But now Brainwave Jr., even though he started the fight, He's feeling all kinds of ways about it. He's feeling salty. He says, no, I don't want to talk to you now. I'll talk to Pemberton here. I'll talk to Star Spangled Kid because he's the only one who's showing sense. But the rest of you folks, (laughs) I'm not going to give you my my you know two cents on 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 one of your major villains. So I'm out of (laughs) here. Well, that's such a childish thing to say, right, Billy? Now we Mm -hmm. love the character of Brainwave Junior, but his his early appearances, yes, he was very much. you know, he, he he behaved irrationally. I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a knucklehead in the beginning here, but he yeah, like you said, he'll he'll eventually come around. Yeah. So they take this vacuum tube, this transport tube, up to the ceiling, and then mm-hmm. uh, Star Spangled Kid flies them up into the sky, so that they can mm-hmm. have a bit of a palaver up there. And then the the JSA just hang around and wait for Star Spangled Kid to return. Apparently. You know, with mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to learn what uh, you know, Brainwave Junior can tell them about, you know, this supervillain threat because he he hinted that he has had you know uh, information regarding the Ultra Humanite, and so yeah. he he tells the Star Spangled Kid all about it. But the Star Spangled Kid is now flying towards Karen Starr's apartment mm-hmm. because he knows that the ladies headed off in that direction. You know, in at the end of issue one, we saw that you know they had a bit of a tussle 
between Power Girl and the Huntress and the Star Spangled Kid. And we know that the yeah, Star Spangled Kid is carrying kind of a torch for Power Girl. He he likes her. He more oh, yeah. than likes her. So, you know, he he he's decided on the fly, I think. Uh, he says he decided to form mm-hmm. his own super team, team long before. But I think this is just because, you know, Power Girl, you know, lit out. <laughs> that's this is my personal opinion. But so he follows them to her apartment and he shows up with Brainwave Jr. But before that happens, we have a little bit of Power Girl's origin and the Huntress's origin because they're trying to establish kind of a connection here with them and the members of Infinity Inc., right? To, to make yeah. them realize that, you know, what, what I mean, uh, was it Power Girl who said uh, you should, you know, because Infinity Inc. are very much like Marvel characters, you know, they're, they're arguing amongst each other all the time in these early issues, right, Billy? Because Roy Thomas yeah. obviously having, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, cut his teeth as a marvel writer he brought this along to dc mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. would see that with yeah. marv wolfman too you know marv, marv wolfman too yeah and the teen titans mm-hmm. and so forth and and mm-hmm. so you know they're arguing and and behaving very much like this uh you know a family from the get-go right because some of them know each yeah. other from from way back when and jade and obsidian yep. are very forceful personalities at least jade is so she's mm-hmm. engaged in this uh verbal uh, battle with hector hall who, who's who's showing his asshole chops again, right? Listen, greenie mm. two shoes, he calls her. I'm trying to be on your side. Stop acting like a pain. What the hell, man? <laughs> greenie two shoes. Of course she's gonna. I mean, she, he basically she was just defending her brother against this yeah. guy, right? Obi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was defending Obi. Yeah. So then you know I like the mm. single panel. Uh, retelling of Huntress's origin and well Huntress didn't really get a retelling of her origin she just got like a memory flashback of her dad and mom but uh, Power Girl got like a great panel yeah two great panels there yeah so then Sylvester Pemberton shows up with Brainwife Jr. and you know the rest of the team are completely flabbergasted at this (laughs) another Euro this legacy uh, character (laughs) appearing in, in the form of Brainwife Jr. and you know, Star Spangled mm-hmm. Kid just he, he leaves them he doesn't even leave them a few seconds to deal with the situation. He just says, Listen, folks, this is Brainwave Jr. and I've got a you know proposal for you. I want you to join Infinity Inc. <laughs> and they're like, What the hell is that? <laughs> so then, you mm-hmm. know, he the pitch he gives them is pretty good, right, Billy? Because he offers them a salary, mm-hmm. their own headquarters based in LA, where some of them are already students. I mean Hector Hall, Nuclon and uh, later Hall, right? Well, later Trevor, they're students mm-hmm. over on the West Coast already at, uh, what yeah. is it, UCLA. So they're they're already yeah. based there. And then, you know, he's mm-hmm. offering them a, a headquarters there, salaries, uh, their own super team. And hun- you can, you get the feeling that Huntress and Power Girl have been thinking along these lines for a while. You know, they, they felt like, right. you know, um, second stringers uh, because they're, they're kids. They're probably being talked down to by the older J.S. Harris all the time. So they wanted to mm-hmm. cut out on their own. And now yeah. the Star Spangled Kid has given them the opportunity. So they decide then and there, they're in. Everybody basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, great panel there too. Oh, man. page 19 where they shake hands with yep. Sylvester, the wow. whole team. Uh, you know, uh, oh man, it's great. And even the Brainwave Junior seems to be, I mean, he says, I'll answer to Junior when you like being called Kid. You know, he says that to Star Spangled Kid, right? But he says, count me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be a lot of that in the first few issues. You know, folks like finding out what they could call each other in civvies and during superhero missions because <laughs> they couldn't right. use their full names, it seems like. it <laughs> Too awkward, too ungainly. 
And yeah. then, you know, right when they're, like, uh, discussing details about Infinity Inc., they ask why he picked the name, and he, he you know, Sylvester Pemberton describes that it's because, you know, he's he's thinking of formalizing their team in the, in, in the form of a corporation, uh, but also mm-hmm. Infinity, because they can go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. Uh, but then, who shows up, Billy, to crash this party? Uh, that would be our buddy... Uh... The sometimes uh, ape, the the sometimes woman <laughs> that you uh, already mentioned earlier here, the ultra humanite, and he starts like using his brain powers to blast everybody, and you know, uh, Brainwave Junior kind of starts talking about it, but before he can really say what's going on, it's the next thing you know, it's they all get blasted. It's really a cool couple of pages. Yeah. Now it seems that he could have blasted the Brainwave Junior too, because he he shows up and brain blasts mm-hmm. in, in this sort of. Uh, ethereal form or this mental project projection of his yeah. mind the ultra humanite shows up and brain blasts the entire crew of infinity inc and that shows you how immensely powerful he is right billy so mm-hmm. uh, but he oh, doesn't yeah. do that to henry king jr obviously brainwave jr no. because he he wants to convert him he wants to because recruit he, him yeah recruit yeah. him he thinks that of course brainwave jr is the son of the brainwave so hey he should follow in the footsteps of his dad and when mm-hmm. Brainwave Jr. proves reticent, you know, he brain blasts him too with ease. And it seems that Brainwave yeah. Jr.'s brain brain bursts have no effect on the Ultra Humanite. So the entire team is knocked out, but then the Ultra Humanite revives. And, and after he mentally or, or hypnotically ins- inserts this command into their brains, he revives yeah. six of the members, Nuclon, Fury, Silver Scarab, Obsidian, Northwind, and Jade. And those are the ones that we would first see in the pages of All-Star Squadron 25. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Brainwave yep. Jr. Would, would show up before that. And then, you know, they're awakened, and then they head towards Mount St. Helens, which now gels with what happened in All-Star Squadron uh, 25 and 26, yeah. where we see how they mm-hmm. came to time travel to the past through this mm-hmm. time tube that the Ultra Humanite had left in Mount St. Helens. <laughs> which was now yeah. all part of his hypnotic commands to help him to combat the All-Star Squadron and the JSA in the past. So um, because of that, Brainwave Jr. recovers before Huntress and Power Girl does, probably because of his mental powers. And then he still he finds he still has the psychic link, right, to, to the Ultra Humanite. The after, team. Yeah, to yeah. the team as well. So he follows mm-hmm. them mentally, and then he sees them entering this time tube, but because he's still got this mental link, he sort of hitches a ride, and he's yeah. projected through time as well, thrown back in time along with his time mm-hmm. tube. But he appears in New York City in traffic in 1942, mm-hmm. February mm-hmm. 1942. And then he doesn't <laughs> know what happened, but he knows that he can sense that the Infinitors are in this time as well. And that they've been yeah. recruited for nefarious purposes, mind controlled by the Ultra Humanite. So then, I mean, mm-hmm. remember, he already had uh, intimations of the Ultra Humanite's plan because he sensed mentally that the ultra humanite had started to exert control from from limbo even and uh, that's yeah. why he approached the JSA in 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 this issue to 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 get their mm-hmm. help to stop the ultra humanite because he had sensed this malevolence but now you know it's too late uh, to re- to get the JSA's help he was now back in time he had to take matters into his own hands so what is his first step billy he he wants to track down a certain someone yeah, that would be Jonathan Law, the uh, author of a certain book. <laughs> Alter Egos, and that is the Tarantula. Yeah, Jonathan Law, mm-hmm. because uh, mo- recently Brainwave Jr. had read his book. 
since he has yeah. become a superior in his own right, uh, a fledgling mm-hmm. superior, he was interested in the history of the JSA and he had read Jonathan Law's book. So he knew that Jonathan Law, if this was February 1942, which he knows by just, you know, looking at the little newsboy selling the newspaper there. News, yeah, newspaper, yeah. yep. He's in the Bronx, he's in Queens, and uh, or, or yeah, he's, he's, he's in New York somewhere and there's a subway leading to the Bronx mm-hmm. and Queens. So it's easy for him to see where he is. And then, of yeah. course, he decides Jonathan Law's apartment's nearby. He knows where he lived based on his, you know, him having recently read the book. So he would track him down for help. And then that's mm-hmm. a great final page. And the next issue is teased in a newspaper headline that's, you know, uh, blowing in the wind there against a, a post uh, outside a store saying, Solomon Grundy. Next issue, Solomon Grundy goes Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so, Billy, this is a fantastic final panel. What do you think of that, of uh, Brainwave Jr. running through the streets of New York? Oh, yeah, it's great. And I'm glad, you know, Roy went back to, uh, you know, connect the dots here with the uh, All-Star Squadron story as well. Because, you know, hmm. I, I think it, need, it needed to be addressed. I mean, he could have just went on his own here with Infinity Inc. And, and not done that. But I think this was a great way to start out the series with, you know, reconnecting it back to that story. I completely agree. Yeah, this was the best decision to make, you know, to show us their mm-hmm. origin and then how they came to to be abducted from their own time in 1983 and taken back yeah. to, you know, 1942. Uh, so, you know, if our listeners now, now this is where we have to mention this, Billy, between issue two and issue three of Infinity Inc., you should definitely, if you haven't yet, you should read issues 24, 25, and 26 of All-Star Squadron, and you should read, of course, the annual number two, which wraps up right. that storyline with the ultra humanites, the ultra war, the All Star Squadron, and the Infinity Inc. crossover that we mentioned. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could do that by just listening to our other show, Red Billy, which is A World on Fire, specifically mm-hmm. episodes uh, uh, 17, 18. No, no, it's sorry, it's episode 16, 17, 18. 16, yeah. 17, and 18. Yeah, those are the episodes you need to listen to to, to, to get a sense of what was going on there. Uh, but I think a lot of our listeners already did that, you know, um, released that a couple of months ago. So uh, if you've done that now, you're firmly ready to enjoy issue three of Infinity Inc., which, which sort of chronicles what happens to, uh, you know, Power Girl and Huntress waking up in the apartment after being knocked out by the Ultra Humanite. After all, they weren't uh, recruited to go back in time. And then, you know, they wake up and then Infinity Inc. reappears, you know, fresh off of their adventure in the past, having to help the All-Stars to defeat the Ultra Humanite and her plans. Yep. So so pretty great, right, Billy? Now, let's get into issue two immediately, because, uh, you know, this is going to be a long episode because we we needed to cover our favorite characters. Usually uh, an episode will run an hour or more, but this is going to be a two hour plus episode. Now, uh, issue two also covered by Jerry Ordway, of course. And um, it was cover dated June 1984, but on sale March 22nd, 1984, edited by Roy Thomas again. Cover price $1.25. And Mm -hmm. the title is Solomon Grundy Goes Hollywood, as we teased in the previous issue. (laughs) Writer Roy Thomas, plotted by Danette Thomas, penciled by Jerry Ordway, inked by Mike Macklin, inker also Rick Magyar on certain segments of the book, as well as Bill Collins, so they had some mm-hmm. guest inkers showing up here. Lettered by David yeah. Cody Weiss and colored by Anthony Tolan and Adrian Roy. So they had a couple of inkers and a couple of colorists on this issue. Yeah. And uh, then we pick up the story in the apartment of Karen Starr, right, Billy? 
Uh, but first, yep. let's discuss this cover. Obviously, Solomon Grundy goes Hollywood. This is a fantastic yeah. cover as well. What do you think? Oh, I love it. Yeah, because I love Grundy. He's one of my <sighs> favorite him. villains. You know, one of my favorite all-time villains. And you know, he's uh, coming into the picture with this, like uh, Norman Bates-looking house in the background, mm. and the team's all like, you know, like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And Obsidian's already on the ground underneath him, like he's been KO'd, and Jade's being held aloft. Uh, a little sexy there uh, for uh, <laughs> this comic there, man. The way the way Jade's portrayed there, you know, he's yes. Grundy's got a hold of her shirt, and it looks like it's ready to pop right off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a disturbing image there, but I, I think it 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 shows the dire situation they're in, mm. you know, because Solomon mm-hmm. Grundy, arguably incredibly powerful, he's powerful enough to take on the JSA oh, yeah. single-handedly. Now he's taking Superman on the Ink. Yeah, yeah, Superman definitely. And yeah. so you know, this is a very scary cover if you think about this a fledgling team and they're already facing an enemy like Grundy but some fantastic cover I tend to prefer the cover to issue number two but this cover is also amazing which one do you prefer oh two's definitely my favorite out of the two uh, we're talking about here today but yeah. yeah it's it's a good one too solid yeah I mean the issue opens uh with the fantastic page as well with with the first to recover in the apartment being power girl arguably because of her invulnerability and she tries to nurse uh, Huntress and uh, the unconscious star-spangled kid, you know, back to life here. Well, they're not dead. They're just uh, unconscious. And she decides, rather than throw some ice-cold water in their faces, to take them for a bit of a flight, <laughs> you know, take them for a <laughs> high-speed trip through the air, you know, outside oh, her apartment to wake them up. What a page. Oh, that's a oh, fantastic a page. page. Page number two. Uh, uh, the splash is great. I mean, it's actually two panels. Mm, but gosh. Um, yeah, it looks like a single huge splash page really Mm. so they do it works they wake up but they're both sort of traumatized by waking up you know (laughs) thousands of feet up in the air and power girl just thinks this is the most normal thing ever you know Uh yeah yeah no i i would say something though at some points in 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 the early issues of infinity inc jerry ordway and mike macklin do not draw power girl in a very flattering way i i should say she's not as beautiful as i'm used to seeing her i mean look at her face on page number two (laughs) i don't know what she what she's supposed to look like there but she definitely doesn't look like the power girl that i have in mind but then at other times they they would draw her very beautifully and so it's just a it's just a bit of a weird facial expression she has there yeah it's on the bottom there it almost looks like they're using i'm not saying they're tracing or anything like that don't get me wrong but almost some kind of photo reference from maybe somebody in pop culture at the time and i just can't place who it is but it definitely look, doesn't look like power girl it looks like somebody else yeah but well elena oh uh, well uh, uh huntress man Oof, she's drawn so beautiful beautifully oh especially gosh. on page number yeah. three so um they head mm-hmm. back to to uh kara's apartment and then they're discussing what to do so they decide to go back to the jsa to tell them of the abduction or the attack that happened but then hey presto yeah. the green light appears in the living room and the Infinitors that were missing reappear. And uh, courtesy, of uh-huh. course, of the Green Lantern from the Golden Age, uh, you know, uh, adding his power to Jane. Alan Scott. Yeah, Alan yeah. Scott adding his power uh-huh. to his daughters, and that, you know, helped them to travel back to their own time. And then it seems yeah. that it's also hinted that Green Lantern er- used his power ring to erase his memories and the memories of the other uh, members of All Star Squadron in the past of their meeting with the Infinitors so that it wouldn't cause any time paradoxes, right, Billy? Now, that explains right. uh, issue one, 
the 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 JSA's lack of memory when it came to recognizing the infinitors who burst in in their costumes in the into the JSA meeting hall, right? That explains right. why they couldn't remember them. But the Flash could remember them a little because of all his resistance to the effects of time, you know, from his frequent trips in time. But the rest right. of them, you know, their minds were basically, or their their memories were erased by the Green Lantern to to avoid mm-hmm. time paradoxes. Yeah, uh, too much knowledge of the future cannot be a good thing, right? We've seen that in Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. but this is before, you know, before Back to the Future even hit hit. So interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they just discuss what happened. They they give a blow by blow account to Power Girl mm-hmm. and Huntress and the Star Spangled Kid of what transpired in the past and how they helped the all-star squadron to defeat the ultra humanite and there's a couple of great recap pages there right billy oh my gosh yeah Fantastic. especially i think page six. Ooh, Ooh that man. page is amazing incredible yeah it's got this wow. huge image of because brainwave he just i mean he just shut down hector hall which i loved saying that i'll tell this tale <laughs> you know you, <laughs> and uh, they were talking over each other a bit there but he just shut them all down and then he does a great mm-hmm. retelling of what of the events you know that happened so he mm-hmm. this is basically his his face in the background telling the story and we see them returning home after defeating the secret society of supervillains and vulcan at the at mm-hmm. the end there saving the life of president roosevelt and then mm-hmm. stopping the ultra humanite uh, they were transported back in time or, or forwards in time and then they uh, appeared in central park but it was freezing because this is like christmas morning right or or, or <laughs> early yeah. christmas morning so it's still yeah. uh you know the sun has not come up yet but they're tired they need to recover so they hide on this bridge and they could have mm-hmm. uh, f- uh froze to death but the brainwave brainwave jr used his mental force shield to to keep their body heat contained and saved their lives mm-hmm. so they're all Mm-hmm. amazed at this use of his powers and that's when they finally you know went back you know to 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 karen's apartment and then you know this is now christmas morning right billy so they decide to you know yeah. fill the jsa in on what had happened so they'll they know where the jsa is going to be they're going to be at hector hall's family's mansion where it seems mm-hmm. like this this is an annual thing a tradition for hawkman and hawk girl in their obviously um, civilian guises as Carter Hall and Shira Hall uh, to yeah. host the rest of the JSA for a Christmas <laughs> Christmas lunch or a Christmas brunch or breakfast. Who knows, right? Uh, I love it. <laughs> this is amazing. So they show up, and then when they show up at the whole the car the whole mansion, uh, Brainwave Junior's worried. He says, "If I wasn't in the company of you guys, then they probably wouldn't have allowed the son of the Brainwave to have a Christmas morning." you know a powwow with them <laughs> you know it would be at, at, at mr and mrs hawkman's house <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow so uh you know shira still looks great for for an mm-hmm. older lady but obviously she stayed young because of the 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 you know the um ian car cool situation that we discussed but um yeah the, that's why the golden age jsa members are able to maintain their youth but not i mean you could see that they're now getting older but they're still fighting mm-hmm. fit. And uh, yeah. Wildcat is already there. Dr. Midnight's there. And, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Hall, uh, Mrs. Hawkwoman, as Brainwave Jr. calls her. But the rest of the J's are <laughs> missing. So when they ask where yeah. they are, they're, they're told that Superman called them away uh, for an emergency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, apparently Dr. Midnight and <laughs> Wildcat, they don't matter. Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> they're left on the sidelines. 
and, mm-hmm. and then you know um the rest of the infinitors decide since it's christmas morning they're gonna phone their parents so we've got nuclon phoning his mom who works for nasa and he mm-hmm. calls her up and he says merry christmas and just wants to check in and tell her he's okay and he also tells her that he's heading back to california early because after all now they're in a team and uh, that's going to be their base of operations and then Leta decides to phone her dad steve trevor just tells mm-hmm. him you know what's been happening and wishes him a merry christmas but she also tells him that uh the you know wonder woman the mom has not mm-hmm. you know she checked in she went on a mission with superman and and the rest of the jsa and you know steve trevor's a little bit worried about that because he hasn't received mm-hmm. any call from her in a, in a couple of days so he decides to go looking for her on his own and um you know then we've got the infinitors saying goodbye to to everyone at the whole mm-hmm. mansion and they head off towards uh california and the west coast and mm-hmm. that's when we see jade whip up this fantastic car in his vehicle <laughs> right buddy uh-huh, flying uh, tub here <laughs> yeah and they're traveling at high speed because they're really pouring on the speed since they gotta fly all across the, the you know uh, clear across the country right and they seem yeah. to do it in a in a matter of minutes right billy because yeah, because it seems that Northwind, this is the, the thing I mentioned earlier, he can't keep up, so he hitches a ride along Jade's fantastic car. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. Star Spangled Kid and Silver Scarab and Power Girl and Jade, obviously, they're fast flyers. So they're yeah. crossing the country here at, at, at supersonic speed. Um, mm-hmm. And then it gives the Star Spangled Kid time to, to tell them, you know, why they're heading towards the West Coast, why he's got this headquarters all set up for them waiting over there, why it's Stellar Studios which is a part of his mm-hmm. uh, his uh, assets as this uh, yeah. millionaire or billionaire or whoever. Uh, you yeah. know, so he dis- discusses some of his past. And Billy, this is an adventure mm-hmm. he had in, in All-Star Comics where he dealt with, uh, you know, Evil Star and, of course, uh, these uh, Strike Force goons who sort of yeah. captured him. And then, you know, this is right after he... Uh, he came back uh, from, you know, uh, when he was time lost with the seven soldiers of victory and the, the JLA sort of uh, helped them, you know, by, by right. hunting them down and, and finding them and bringing them back. And then they were in the present time now. So that's why he remained young because of his jaunts through time. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, uh, you know, he discusses this, uh, um, you know, the, the adventure. Seven, adventure which was reprinted mm-hmm. in All-Star Comics 44 and then later in Justice League of America 115 and then in All-Star Comics 71, 1978. All these events happened then. The Huntress and Power Girl ended up saving him from the Strike Force. But through the Strike Force, he discovered that he was... The, the, the Pemberton fortune you know, still existed, you know, even though he had now traveled yeah. through time into the future. And with all these assets that he has, one of them is Stellar Studios. And it's this mm-hmm. old abandoned... Uh, Hollywood type, you know, movie lot with all of these yeah. buildings made ideal for filming westerns and and horror movies and 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 city, <laughs> you know, uh, escapes and everything's got there. It's been recreated, and uh, mm-hmm. there's also obviously living quarters. So that's what mm-hmm. what's going to be their headquarters for the time being. So, Billy, I love this. Uh, uh, an old movie lot. You know, movie studios being their yeah. superior headquarters. That is unique, don't you think? Oh, I love it. And that is something like, you know, you just said, that's the 
my the perfect word for it unique for Roy to bring this in as you know that's going to be their headquarters and you know my favorite panel of the uh, entire issue where they walk up the steps to you know a castle and Ooh. obsidian <laughs> what he said <laughs> <laughs> pretends to be Bella Lugosi there right standing mm-hmm. in front of that Dracula-like castle saying, I want good evening. I want to bite your neck. And that turns Hector all <laughs> horny. You know, he says, he grabs Fury and he pulls her aside and he says, hey, you know, all that neck talking started me thinking, you know, so they're going to canoodle a bit yeah. you know, around the corner of this <laughs> castle. And who interrupts their their romantic tryst here? <laughs> the Frankenstein monster. Oh, I mean, Solomon Grundy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Solomon Grundy was taking a kip. Someone had called him mm-hmm. there, like a mental, uh, you know, voice had directed him to, to go and take us yeah. a nap in Stellar Studios. Obviously, this is someone who wished the all the, the, the Infinitors ill. Infinitors dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he had been called to Stellar Studios, but he was taking a nap and Hector and Lita's whispering and you know r- rubbing up against each other had had awakened <laughs> him and so he was upset so he says you woke mm-hmm. you're trying to sleep noisy ones in shiny clothes wake me up for that solomon grandy will kill <laughs> so he just punches hector out after oh, he discovers yeah. that they're friends of green lantern and oh yeah yeah so billy speak <laughs> on this jade and obsidian shop and what happens then Oh, yeah, it's funny. He starts going to town on them. And Jade, you know, she uses her powers to create like a giant hand, you know, almost like, you know, Green Lantern would to try to pick Grundy up. But, you know, he's just so very powerful. It's just they're not ready for somebody as strong as him. So he starts kicking the crap out of all of them. Yeah, that's right. And he keeps hurling props at them and uh, pieces of fake Mm -hmm. masonry, which he thinks are real buildings, real trees. And obviously they're not. They're part of the the, the lot, the, the movie sets and so forth. And... And then, um, you know, Jade is taken out by, by wood, which turns out to be real wood, but, but it's set on a little bit of... It's not rooted, you know. It's like uh, set on no. this little, you know, yeah. stand. And then uh, the rest of the Infinitors get into it. But Obsidian tries to employ his shadow power on, you know, uh, Grundy. And that's where we find out it doesn't work because Grundy is pure mm-hmm. evil. So you can't mm-hmm. turn evil back upon evil. Uh, so And then he hurls uh, Fury at the Silver Scarab with enough force Oof. to smash them th- both through the castle door. And yeah. then Star Spangled Kid and Power Girl and Brainwave Jr. show up, and Star Spangled Kid just zaps him from behind with his uh, stellar power. And then, uh, mm-hmm. I love this bit, even though he takes out the Star Spangled Kid with a with what what seems to be a tower that he, th- that he hurls at him, Power Girl just <laughs> yeah. in- employs her super strength and punches him through this castle. Mm-hmm. But Billy, that's not enough. He collapses the castle on top of them, pulls an mm-hmm. unconscious jade and obsidian out of the wreckage and it's about to to murder them when Nuclon, Northwind and the Huntress shows up. I mean, after all, they were all exploring different areas of this this vast uh, studio that- lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they're all coming mm-hmm. at different points in time in the battle, coming to assist. And these three teams can't take out Grundy on their own. You know, because this is the third team that tackles him. Uh, so Northwind <laughs> yeah. and Huntress save the unconscious Obsidian and, and Jade. Uh, Jade while while this is a great mm-hmm. scene. This is just a battle <laughs> of titans here, right, Billy? Nuclon uh-huh. versus Grandi. Speak on this mm-hmm. a little bit. Oh, it's great because Nuclon's you know, he's kind of cocky at first. He thinks he's just going to, you know, punch him out with one uh, you know, blow. 
And then they start going back and forth, punching each other, and then Grundy's choking him. And then Northwind flies in from behind and punches Grundy in the back of the head. And, you know, they're really thinking, all right, we're going to gang up on him now. And then Power Girl out of nowhere with this huge piece of one of the buildings, you know, slams it down on Grundy. And they think they've, uh, you know, taken care of him. But nope. Nope, that's not it. I love the line that when Nuklon engages him for the first time, you know, it's uh, Huntress who says, uh, he's real, he's a walking, talking Frankenstein monster. And Nuklon says, Solomon Grundy, like from the old nursery rhyme. And uh, Huntress says, don't underestimate him. And Nuklon says, well, welcome to the atomic age, Karloff. You know, <laughs> referencing <laughs> Boris Karloff there as, as the Frankenstein monster, mm-hmm. he just punches him in the face. But it turns out that Grundy's quite enjoying this battle because this is the first opponent he's had that's his own size and strength that he's encountered yeah. in a long time. So, yeah, after mm-hmm. that, you know, we've got all three teams now as, as one team just beating the hell out of Grundy, right? And it's done mm-hmm. to the rhyme, the classic rhyme, Solomon Grundy born on a Monday, right? But isn't that a great what? fight montage? Oh, what, a, <laughs> what a page. Oh, my Whoa. gosh. Incredible page. You've got mm-hmm. Solomon Grundy born on a Monday, and he breaks out of the wreckage that Power Girl hurled on top of him. And then you've got the second panel of the next page, page 20, christened on a Tuesday. You've got Nuklon using this um, this this uh, spotlight. Yeah, the spotlight yeah. as a, a baseball bat smacking <laughs> Grundy through the face. Yeah, <laughs> bludgeoning yeah. him. Christened on a Tuesday. <laughs> and then married on a Wednesday. That panel has... Power Girl and Fury tag teaming Grundy, just punching double him. punching him. And then you've mm-hmm. got Tukil on Thursday, the third panel, Star Spangled Kid blasting him. And then worse on a Friday, the fourth panel, Star Spangled Kid and the Silver Scarab, you know, just blasting him, just charging all their energy. Yeah. And then the fifth panel died on a Saturday. You've got Northwind using that feathering technology of his, that little blaster called a globless gun, <laughs> to yeah. disorient him. It's sort of like turned. It's like a vertigo type weapon. Yeah. And yep. then Jade stepping in on the sixth panel, buried on a Sunday, and then the final seventh panel. That was the end of Solomon Grundy as she, you know, traps <laughs> him in this green bubble. It's a fantastic uh, montage there of action. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. So they decide that the only place to keep Grundy safe is in Fedora, which is uh, the home, because he's too powerful to hand over to the authorities So mm-hmm. and and to fly back to, to JSA. Not that Fedora is any closer, but, you know, uh, Northwind sort of convinces them that they've got the technology to keep him permanently disoriented <laughs> with the globless, you know, uh, devices that they have. So... Uh, Obsidian, Northwind, and Jade head off towards the north to Fedora to hand uh, Grundy over to them while the rest of mm-hmm. the the Infinitors are left cooling their heels. But um, they've decided to hunt down the Ultra-Humanite because they're thinking that this could be Ultra's deviltry because Grundy had mentioned during the fight that some uh, inner voice had called him to Stellar Lord Studios. Yeah. So they're thinking yeah. this is definitely the Ultra-Humanite. And they're not far from wrong. You know, they're not... Mm-hmm. Not completely wrong. But then we cut to the end of the issue, Billy. Now, this is a very disturbing set of of pages, I think, you would, you would mm-hmm. admit, right? What happens in this last bit of issue number three? Well, we see Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Hawkman, uh, Robin, and I'm trying to think who else it is. Oh, is that uh, the, the Atom there? The Atom is there, yeah. 
Yeah, they show up at this cave, and it says, uh, this is where Superman wants us to meet, this cave? And he says, nowhere but, Robin, uh, Hawkman says, and he says, no way any of our enemies could have faked that call, still. And then Green Lantern says, it better be important. I was looking forward to one of those, or one of Shire's famous Christmas breakfast, Hawk. <laughs> and then they come they come around the corner, you know, and the next thing you know, there's this, like, flood comes flying right through this uh, cave. And it, you know, doesn't drown them all and kill them, but it drowns them all and, like, knocks them out. And then you see a, a silhouette of someone in the background, and it says, they fell into my trap. Like so many babies in arms. And it says, but then, why should they have been suspicious of a summon sent by Superman? And then that very last page is, you know, the reveal. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it it, it, it ends with uh, Superman showing up and saying, I really was the one who sent it. And he says, hmm, as he feels Diana's pulse. No pulse. They're dead as doornails, all right? Even Wonder Woman, the strongest. So he had caused this flash flood in this tunnel system. That was so mm-hmm. powerful that it had knocked all of the JSAers off guard. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a scene where in the flood, even Green Lantern gets plowed into this this pillar, right? This uh, yeah, like stalactite. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Superman has this evil expression on his face. He makes a fist, and then he says, "Now that I've disposed of my esteemed Justice Society comrades." So at this point in time, you think they're dead, right, Billy? Mm-hmm. And, and and sort of yeah. they, they sort of are, but we'll find out more. We don't want to spoil too much. But he says, you know, uh, I can finally do what I should have done over half a century ago when I first discovered I had superpowers. Namely, take over the entire Earth and bring it crashing down around humanity's head. And that's mm-hmm. how he ends the issue with Superman, you know, uh, elated, you know, reveling in his power, vowing to take over the Earth and destroy humanity, basically. And then they say, next Crazy. issue, revealed at last, the secret origin of Jade and Obsidian. If the world lives that long. The <laughs> end. Wow. So we've got an evil Superman to deal with. How are the Infiniters and the JSA going to take him on? Damn. Mm, so Billy, crazy. fantastic yeah. two issues. I love it. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So final thoughts. Uh, two great issues. I mean, this is really, you know, Roy, again, He's been knocking it out of the park on All-Star Squadron. Then he comes over to this, you know, brand new series. And these two issues were just absolutely phenomenal. I think they were, I think one issue one was good, but I think these two issues are way better. They blow it out of the water. That's right. And we're going to flip on our Star Rocket uh, high beams here for a spotlight segment where we're going to highlight the MVPs of these two issues. Billy, in your mind, who was the Infiniter who gave it their all? And walked away with the Star Rocket Spotlight Trophy this issue. Mm, I would say, I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a, maybe a little bit of a limb here and say Nuclon, your your boy there. I liked him. Mm. You know, he was not a, not afraid to go out on a limb there and just come right at Grundy and one on one try to fight him and take him on, even though we didn't really know much about him. Uh, I'm going to say Nuclon. Yeah, Nuclon's definitely. He doesn't have a shortage in the bravery department. He's, he's, he's very brave. And uh, I think early days, he's still, you know, overconfident. But, yeah, he's, he's, he will remain brave throughout his, his life, you know, and career and as a superhero. He's mm-hmm. a great one. I'm going to pick Jade because she transported people back and forth so many times. She's the one who came up <laughs> with the idea where to get food, even though that turned out to be a bust. <laughs> and she's also That's the one who, who defended her brother, Obi, to, that, uh, to the Silver Scarab, uh, that heel. 
And then uh, she's also the one that, uh, you know, eventually took out Grundy and imprisoned him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I love the way she stands up for herself and her, you know, her beliefs. And so she's the MVP of these two issues for me. All right, mm-hmm. Billy. So uh, now we're going to head off to our feedback that we got for the Star Rocket Radio episode one. And we got mm-hmm. two emails. Uh, first email is actually we got three emails, but the first email was very short. It was from Randy Matthews. And Randy, thanks for writing in. Randy said, he just had a question. He says, do you guys have a website? I could not find it on Google. Actually, Randy, we don't have a website per se, but I have set up a Tumblr site. So uh, as of this moment, when you're hearing this podcast, the Tumblr will be up and running, and that's Star Rocket Radio. So you just go to Tumblr and look for Star Rocket Radio, and you'll find our Tumblr. There I've posted some pics, and I've posted some episode links, and you'll be able to find everything you need and more related to the two episodes we've got out at the moment. <clears throat> and then, mm-hmm. of course, Randy, you can also follow us on Twitter. That's where we engage with listeners uh, the most. And we're at Star Rocket Radio there. But then, you know, mm-hmm. we've got some longer emails, Billy. We've got one from Stephen Shend, one of us, our most ardent supporters on all of our podcasts. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Stephen said he enjoyed Star Rocket Radio episode one. And like all Star, uh, that's referring to our other cast, the uh, World on Fire cast, it makes him mm-hmm. itch to dig up his old back issues again. And he says, our reactions scan with his in that Hector is a knob. <laughs> and he still, <laughs> Stephen doesn't understand why Lita stayed with him at all. Yeah, you and me both, Stephen. And uh, maybe mm-hmm. it was a way to annoy her mother. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Diana probably <laughs> didn't approve of Hector. So that's why Lita stayed with him. Could, could be, right, Billy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then Stephen goes on. He says, looking forward to the next time when we get to put some detail onto Sylvester and the others and form the team solidly. That's where we did what we did in this episode. Uh, we focused more mm-hmm. on characters here. And then he said, another great podcast, fellas, though, and I, I've got an idea about content for you. It's very much an 80s book and concept. So there's such contemporary stuff. And you can explain to younger listeners uh, about the 80s fashion, you know, when the team is not in fighting garb. So right now, they haven't really appeared in their civvies yet, but we're definitely going to get to that, right, Billy? So, Stephen, that's mm-hmm. a great idea for some content. Once Royan and Mike and eventually Tony DeZuniga and Don Newton and Todd McFarlane start to pencil them in 80s fashions, then it gets really fun to, to look mm-hmm. at them and, and con- compare and contrast it with what we knew in the 80s, right, Billy? Yeah. So we're going to get to that. And then he, mm-hmm. he ends the email by saying that... Um, you could also talk about the kids become euros concept. Uh, after all, there's been this revival of this idea in the Star Star Girl TV show, which is now on season two. And um, he's saying he likes the fact that uh, that show deals with teens taking up parental mantles despite the adults' disapproval. And season two, episode one <laughs> of Star Girl, the TV show, has Jade's intro, but they've got very little on Jade's character. And that's as far as they've gone in the show. At the time that he wrote this email, it was. Um, gotcha. so he's, which he sent to us at the end of September. So he says, again, hitting another show out of the park on the first swing. Looking forward to much more Stephen Shin. Thank you, Stephen. And everybody, you can follow Stephen on Twitter. Right, Billy? He's, uh, he, he's mm-hmm. very active on Twitter. And you can do that at, uh, if I'm not mistaken, wait, let me just go get to his Twitter um, handle accurately here for you guys. Mm, let's have a look. Let's have it's, a look. It's just at Stephen E. Shend, ah. and that's S H E N D. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I called it up here on my Twitter just now. So, 
uh, follow him. He's a great, uh, you know, comic book. Good guy. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, fantastic comic book account. And also, yeah, like you say, a nice guy. And then, Billy, we got <clears throat> another email, and that's from our good friend Martin Gray. Of course, Martin is uh, one of the stalwarts, uh, always uh, up for commenting on all of our shows. And, uh, yeah, he did so this time around. And, uh, you know, Martin had a lot to say, but he sent it to our World on Fire email. Um, I think at the time we had not, you know, uh, released the email address where he could send feedback for Star Rocket Radio. But it's fine, Martin, no worries. But in the future, you could send it if you wanted to at Star Rocket Radio to Star Rocket Radio at gmail.com. That is our regular email address for this show. But you can also, like I say, send it to A World on Fire. Mm-hmm. All right, Martin said in his email, congratulations on a terrific first episode. Apologies for the late comments. I forgot I needed a separate feed. No worries, Martin. Uh, thank you all for the background on Infinity Inc. and the characters. I haven't heard any of this fairy business previously, <laughs> you know, with Roy and Danette coming up <laughs> with the characters. And he said uh, the character concepts that Jerry and Mike came, with, uh, came up with sound great. He said he'd love to see a blue dolphin and another Flash. Uh, it's a shame that Roy didn't want a Flash descendant on the team because, according to Martin, there weren't that many speedsters in DC back then, even though I said there were. But uh, Martin's probably right. There weren't. You know, but it's, it's now it seems to us that speedsters are very common, but back then probably there were only three or four, maybe not even that. So, you know, it wouldn't have been too bad. And they could have created Jesse Quick back then, Martin mentions, which is a good point. Um, yeah. And he says that it was basically just Barry, Jay, and Wally, and Johnny Quick. No females, so if they had a female speecher there, uh, he doesn't count Patty Spivet as Miss Flash. <laughs> they, then they <laughs> says he could have created Jesse Quick back then, several years before Len Strazuski. So it would have been more, made more sense for Roy's objection to be that the readers might have met Jay or Joan several times since the end of the Golden Age, and they'd never mentioned having a kid. So that could have been a better reason for Roy not to include a Flash descendant. Um, so maybe I agree with Mart there. You know, it's an extra speedster wouldn't have been that bad, right, Billy? Um, yeah, yeah. Other than that, we we had two speeder speedsters in All Star Squadron at the time, uh, as this mm-hmm. was ru- running concurrently with All Star Squadron in the Flash and Johnny Quick. You know, maybe another right. speedster with a little bit of her power tweaked or something, but a female character would have been nice. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Martin said he, uh, it seems amazing that the two-page preview art in All-Star Squadron 28, which we mentioned in the last episode, uh, wasn't mm-hmm. written or, or proofread, at least, by Roy or approved, because how could they say that the Star Spangled Kid and Sandy the Golden Boy would be a part of the team without consulting Roy? Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, I think Roy must have mentioned that that might be some of the characters they included, and then, you know, they yeah. went ahead and mentioned that, and then Roy had since decided that it wouldn't be although I couldn't find any Alter Ego interviews that mentions that fact. Roy just said in Alter Ego number one from volume three, which, where I got most of the information, he just said that, you know, the DC editorial, you know, had, had managed to, to, <laughs> to mention that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Martin says the young heroes really did seem quite obnoxious the way they crashed the JSA meeting. <laughs> it's very Marvel, which is true, right? Believe Roy. <laughs> oh, so yeah. using his Marvel writing skills there or writing uh you know um uh, this mindset the mindset of writing at marvel that he brought to dc and then he says adam calls nuclong the carrot topped colossus was he meant to have <laughs> ginger hair rather than that weird scarlet hair uh, and then martin says he actually tends to forget that nuclon's hairdo 
hideous. He calls it the hairdo hideous. Is a reference to the helmet fins of <laughs> the atom and cyclotron. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. Right. Yeah, that's why he has that hairdo. Yeah, yeah. Hairdo. It's got that visual mm-hmm. uh, comparison. It's like an we, homage. Yeah, yeah. It's great that that Martian Min, uh, mm-hmm. that Martin mentioned that. I just keep when I see Luclon, I keep thinking about the, one of the bad guys from Mad Max Two, the Road Warrior. You know, um, the, 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 the henchman yeah, of uh, the humongous, yeah. you know, who keeps like leaping from car to car. That That's the guy with the mohawk I picture in my mind when I see Nuclon. Not a very mm-hmm. flattering uh, comparison there. So he, Martin goes on to say, he says, it's a bit weird that Robin describes himself as a second generation hero, even though he does add he's a sort of second generation hero. He's younger than <laughs> right. Bruce, but he's been fighting crime as a lamb you know <laughs> so when he was yay high yeah he was already in the golden age fighting crime alongside bruce so he's actually a first generation golden mm-hmm. age hero and then uh, martin says it's quite disturbing how much of an old man the atom looks in his mask we mentioned that before uh, i think yeah. johnny thunder looks way older than the atom but yeah the atom looks his age really and then he says, I'm not sure I like elderly Wonder Woman wearing her star-spangled hot pants. <laughs> Maybe Steve got a kick out of it. <laughs> I bet he did. He, he probably did, Martin. <laughs> and then he says, yes, he grew up with Superman and Lori Lamaris, but Northwind's mother, she's basically Daisy Duck. <laughs> oh, and then he ends with saying, Hector is a jerk. Best Mark. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's his final He's not comment. wrong there. <laughs> yeah, man. Great A jerk there. So, Martin, thanks mm-hmm. for your comments. Thanks for Stephen Shend. And, of course, uh, to everyone who retweeted and liked and posted comments on Twitter. We love you guys. Thanks for helping Star Rocket Radio, you know, get off the ground here in our, you know, literally and figuratively as a Star Rocket racer goes. We're off the ground and running and flying. So, thank you guys for that. Mm-hmm. But Billy, yeah. that brings us to the end of this very long episode. Like I say, normal episodes mm-hmm. won't run this long. We just had to give our two cents on the characters and so forth. Uh, but yeah, we'll yeah. be back pretty soon. As I said, you can reach us at Star Rocket Radio on Twitter. Send an email to starrocketradio at gmail.com. And Billy, where can mm-hmm. they find you on the interwebs? Well, definitely uh, in conjunction with this show, uh, definitely look for uh, At All Squadron. You know, that's uh, our sister show here, our brother show or whatever, <laughs> however you want to word that. <laughs> definitely look for, you know, you and I interacting there. And with, uh, like you said, at this one, at Star Rocket Radio, because we're going to be bouncing things back and forth between those two accounts a lot. Definitely, definitely. And uh, right now we're going to, like I said, climb in the aforementioned Star Rocket Racer and head off into infinity and a little bit beyond that. So we don't want to steal too much of Disney's catchphrase there, but it is what it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So with that, we're out of there. Take care of yourself, listeners. Until we meet again, that's bye from me. All right, see you next time.